podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Because you've got powerful legs, how do you get the physique? Was it gym or how do you get the physique? Um, I've always been that She's actually not got powerful legs. Do you shower in your dressing room? Do you have a shower on the day of a fight or not? Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, oh, you yeah. little prick. But then I've got the phoenix. Hey, prick. So I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. An absolute disgrace. I'm I sure no one will mind. Move him out of here, then, Darren. Ricky had to go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual I never said that. <laughs> Both have been rape victims. I'm not watching Frank Buglioni live on Saturday night. Get out of your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a hand out. Boxing, um, Natters, Messenger Group. Whoa, they're going to. Oh, I'm going to be the king. Jade bump, you know what I'm saying? Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 537th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I am your host Steve Wellings and joining me on the call we have Matty DiGelonardo, Andy Patterson and rapping Rob Kelly going live on YouTube from 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The ad-free Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everyone listening through the week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Sports Social. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice. Throughout the entire month of August, nothing less than five stars is acceptable. I don't read out the reviews very often, but keep listening to the show because later on I'm going to read out a few reviews. I was fishing about during the week trying to find a URL and I found this website that uh, collates all the reviews from outside of the UK. So from New Zealand, Ireland, Australia, oh, America, etc. And uh, there's some there's some choice opinions on the podcast, let me tell you, Matty. So, so I've cut, I've oh, cut about six or seven of them later on. Uh, suffice to say, your American cousins aren't too fussed with the podcast. But we did have a celebrity endorsement before we get stuck into Usyk Dubois. Okay. We did have a celebrity endorsement this week. Uh, Rick Glazer was talking about podcasts. He said, to those that go and view boxing podcasts, be careful. Most of these hosts know very little, if anything at all. And there's plenty of them are race baiters. Those that are highly recommended are partners, Steve Kim and Mario Lopez. Plus there's Coach Malachi, etc. And MTK enforcer, Matty, Rick Reveal jumped in and said, thoughts on the Boxing Asylum pod, Rick? He said, not familiar with that one. Must not be very good because no one has recommended me to watch it. So uh, an endorsement there, Matty, from Rick Glazer. Hey. hey, in regards to Rick Glazer and his accusations, Rick... I may be many things, but I know my boxing. 
Oh dear, yeah. We we might not know much about boxing, but uh, <laughs> shout out to the shout out to everybody listening and shout out to the chat. We'll we'll listen to those reviews later on, so stay tuned. There will probably be value of the week material. We know what you're all here for, though. Let's get stuck into last night's action in Voklaw, Rocklaw. Dominic always laughs at my pronunciations. There's another one for you, Dominic. Poland. Alexander Usyk getting the win in the ninth round against Daniel Dubois. It wasn't without contro- controversy, though. Rapping Rob Kelly, we'll come to you first of all on this one. It was quickly apparent to me Daniel Dubois was going to need a Foreman versus Mora moment, which he may or may not have landed in round five. Up until that point, Usyk looked too fast. He looked too sharp for Dubois. But let's get right to the main point of contention, Rob. Forget about the first four rounds. To low blow or not to low blow? That is the question. Yeah, I, I tell you what, like we were, like I keep mentioning, like we're in a, in a solid time for boxing in 2023, and this fight was kind of flying under the radar with all the excitement of Crawford Spence and Tank Garcia and, uh, and all that. But it was still an intriguing fight for me when we were talking about it last week, purely because Dubois can whack, and you know he had a new trailer at Don Charles. I think he did. Ex- I wouldn't say exceptionally well, but a lot better than I thought he'd do. But up to that point, let's get to the nitty-gritty of it. I think the key takeaways from that are, yes, it was borderline. You could see it being called either way. I didn't think it was on the low side where, you know, but then again, I'm not getting hit where the cup is getting fucking dragged up into me balls either. Like So it's easy for me to say that, but from the impact and the, and the TV angles that we saw, it certainly looked like it was a legit knockdown. Now, couple of questions like does Usyk then just take a breather and get back up like he did with Batarbiev or did he need that time to recover from that body shot before he could compete now he did come back um so did he need that time I think I think he did because I think even after the three and a half minutes or whatever he had to rest in between absolutely dominating every second of every round when he did get caught after that he seemed to his legs seemed to dip a little bit um I think Dubois buzzed him on the bell at one stage as well so he had moments in there, but I think as well as that, you factor into the fact that you're up against a master boxer, wily character, a bit of a fucking Bud Crawford in that you hurt him and then he fucking comes back to try and take your head off like he, Usyk's got everything about him. But then you have to add into that fact the fact that Dubois, after kind of showing us a couple of times at this stage, if the if shit gets too hot, he looks for a way out. And I think, I think like, you know, he took the knee in the, in the round before that to save... But then still was looking at the at the A count like dodgily in the first knockdown, and then the second time you just know he's not trying to beat the count like so. I think that has to be said. Not to get no shots against Daniel Dubois, very young guy, very inexperienced against that kind of caliber opposition. I thought he did very well. Probably should have had his moment. I don't think I think hometown decision and all that's a bit harsh. I just think the ref was having a bit of a stinker anyway. Like there was another stage Dubois buckled him with a with a body shot and he stopped the action to ask Dubois was he okay. So maybe it's a bit of a home home or whatever. I don't I don't think it's like a conspiracy theory. I just think the ref was having a stinker. Um, he probably missed that and probably could have called it a knockdown. But then you have to think, does Usyk get up and, and come through it? Seeing as the way he dominated the rest of the fight for every second, you'd have to say no point in a rematch. Like Usyk hasn't fucking figured out at this stage and it'd be only earlier. And I don't think fucking Dubois really wants it when it, when it comes to it. And that's my kind of overall takeaway of the event. Just a quick one, Rob, because I know you'll like this one. A few comparisons have been made to Bo Galotta, but I think that's maybe a bit of a lazy comparison considering the fact in that contest, but Bo was the hometown fighter very much so as we saw straight after the fight. And also, Galotta was boxing his ears off and then decided for some strange reason to start whacking him in the balls. So there are, you know, it's not a strict comparison, I don't think. But I think that's a good strategy for Daniel Dubois versus Alexander Usyk. Like, 
master that guy deep blow hit him once as hard as you can in the fucking balls and if you can't recover then you have a chance to knock him out because he's going to be fucking feeling it for the rest of the fight take the point you're going to, you're losing every round anyway take the point deduction hit him in the balls again like that's what I would have done but um, <laughs> I think that um, I, I, ju- I just think that uh, Usyk just it, it, it's just there's just too, there's no point in Frank fucking trying to lobby the fucking WBA for this rematch and all and make such a big deal out of it there's no point Usyk will fucking decimate him the next time um, he did well enough probably should have had his moment he didn't just find matches in boxing that's what it is like but not a bad strategy for Danny Dubois if he wanted to go after Usyk's balls and make him very feel well said Robbie definitely felt that one alright shout out to everybody in the chat I have thrown the stream yard link in the chat so if you want to have your say and you have something reasonable to say then feel free to jump on the stream yard link is in the chat Andrew Thicket says looking at several different still shots from around the net it is actually clear to see Dubois low uppercut shot trajectory uh, Matty over to you on this one I wasn't sure at the time and I'm still not sure now there's a multitude of angles screenshots opinions going around ahead of, of the incident itself you can't automatically assume, which maybe some people have, that if Pabon had have called it as a legitimate shot, Usyk then would have been counted out. Dubois would have won. We don't know for sure what would have happened in that scenario. He was hurt, no doubt about it. And a logical conclusion could be that a Dubois stoppage was then on the cards, but we didn't. We don't know what would have followed for sure. We've seen Usyk maybe hurt against Joshua in the past. I think he would have dragged himself up and carried on fighting. Now, what condition he would have been in and if he would have been able to see out the round, let alone the fight, is open to debate. But the automatic assumption that if he had no, if it had been turned into account, he would have stayed down, I don't think you can necessarily follow that conclusion, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, there's a lot going on there, Steve. Um... I, I, there, there's no guarantee on how anything would have gone following that if it had been ruled uh, a knockdown. Would he have made the count? Would he have not made the count? Would he have survived the round? The only thing that I think is is really relevant is that Fabone pushed Usyk to take more time. Usyk said he was ready. Fabone said, "No, no, take another minute." Um, and and that's where I think the bias was at. If there's anything that anybody's looking for that just seems a little bit off kilter, that's where I would be going. Um, as, as far as that goes, um, the shot, I mean, you look at it, I mean, it all depends on where the ref was at the time. Um, I think it was a real 50, 50 shot, Steve, um, depending on where you're standing. Um, so what you can't, can't really cry about that, but the extra time I think is worth, um, complaining about if you're looking for how uh, Dubois might've been done wrong. But then you look at that, he, he didn't really go guns blazing necessarily after that either. Um, so I, there, there was a little bit of a desire deficit on uh, the part of Dubois anyway. So, um, he, he didn't seize the moment regardless, you know, sometimes it doesn't go all your way, but you clearly have, uh, a, uh, a guy that's a little uh, more limited in front of you following that you should probably follow up. Um, and he didn't. And, uh, then he, uh, paid the price down the stretch. Um, just, uh, kind of, uh, threw in the towel at the end there. Didn't uh, seem like he wanted much more. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, I, I still think you can, you can really big man Usyk and, um, I, I, I gotta, I gotta lean fury if they ever do get that on. Yeah, I think. This time, Pabon's actions were egregious, but as Tosh says there, I've been vocal in the past about I uh, referees do annoy me who kind of trying to rush the fighter back into the action whenever they do have five minutes. But even I was starting to get fed up with this one. And Usyk did say at times that 
he wanted to continue and um, the referee was kind of pushing him back. So uh, these hometown decisions, we know we know the way they go. We know where their bread's buttered and Pabon has been a bit of a dodgy ref in the past. Uh, Andy, Tim Bradley was on the ESPN uh, call for some strange reason, along with that idiot Tessator. He was calling for more bodywork from Dubois, but Dubois was maybe a little bit reluctant to throw the, the low shots after that, maybe worried about getting a point deduction or something, especially considering the fact Usyk seemed to be micromanaging the referee at times. We've seen this in the past, haven't we? Constantly pointing over to the referee and then the referee jumping in and doing whatever the hometown favourite says to them to do. Mate, with, with how many fights have we watched through the decades of following this sport? We've seen you know egregious low blows, you know, go unpunished. We've seen the heart and respond to Zoo's low blow. We've seen borderline shots go uncalled. Um, we've seen Galotta literally ruin um, combos to the balls. Ah, exactly. Combos. <laughs> we've seen, we've seen, we've seen last night, for example. We've seen the situation with uh, Dubois. We've seen the situation with. Kuzibutski, and we've seen the, the situation, the referee and the Anderson fight made it absolutely clear where the low blows are legal, sorry, where, where the shots are, are legal on the body roughly at the front. Now, at first on, on, on live viewing, I thought it was, uh, I thought Yusek was maybe buying it a little bit. At one point, I did notice his, his, his right hand shaking a little bit, I said, this, he's, he's not looking good. And I thought at one point when he tried to kind of like roll over, I thought he was going to vomit at one point. He looked at the corner, he wasn't looking too good, you know, and then when he did seem to kind of like kind of recover, um, you seen the eyes just switch, man. It was like he just marked down Dubois' life or like, so, you know, exit life, basically, because he came out there. If you look at it as well, the fifth round, I know he, I know he got caught maybe late in the round that, but look how he responded once that action was started. That he was he was on the front foot and he was pretty okay. He wasn't on the front foot immediately, but he was eventually coming back into it, more than actually before the, the round ended. I personally think after rewatching it all and just looking at the stills and that as well as I think it is what a low blow. I think it's below the belly button. Therefore, it is a low blow. Um, no, we don't know exactly what's happened in that area when he's took the punch. Has it broke the cup up? Has it caught his knackers? Has it really twisted them? Has it look if you if you've been hit there or or I, mean, I played football as well as if you've ever taken a football there before and like it's bloody painful. You know yourself how you react. You go down to your knees, you're in a bad shape for at least two or three minutes. You know, depending how, how hard it's, you've been hit and that. Now you, I think Yuzik is pretty a pretty honest guy, but he's also using the experience in that there as well. If he's hurt, obviously he's going to take time out. He took, they did take the full five minutes, for what I recall. It was about, about three and a half, four minutes he took. He wanted to get back into it. The referees reminded him you need to take the full five minutes. I think Dubois um, had been landing some borderline, again, low blows throughout the fight. There was, um, okay, Yuzik maybe mentioned it to the, to the referee as well. We've, we've seen uh, fighters mention about you know, punches behind the head, behind the ear, behind you know, the, you know, the rabbit punches, so to speak. You know, the only thing I can I could probably say there last night, it probably didn't go didn't too well, was the referee wasn't he clearing his instructions before the fight. He made it absolutely clear. He should have made it clear there in front of the public where you know these blows can can land. Unless he's done it behind the scenes, and everybody knows there. We've got Frank Warren and that coming out now saying as it was it was it was discussed. You've got Team Music saying something different. So it's just not what we need in that. And another thing as well is that this this whole thing, this whole situation has no detracted from the fact is that Dubois quit. He quit the fight. He got stopped on a jab there last night, by the way. Let's not forget a that as well. A swivel jab, Andy. A swivel jab. I don't care. It's a jab. And he took the knee again for the second time. And look, I'm not going to say that he swallowed that or whatever or not. But look, what's everybody else going to say? 
Right, and you're right, Steve. You know, we just don't know how you it with the reacted if the referee started counting. Would they have got up? Would they continued? Would they took a, a knee again, for example, if he was that badly hurt? Maybe try and buy himself some extra time and get through the round. Maybe take a couple of knees, lose the round, lose the points, then come back into the fight, which he ultimately did. It's um, it's it's just it's probably just poor communication. That's another thing as well is with Dubois. You had your chance, mate. You had your chance. You should have been right over the top of him at that point. And you let it go. You absolutely let it go. And then you let you get back into the fight. And then, what, four or five rounds later? That was it. But at the end of the day is this. It is the referee's discretion. Where he where he decides that, you know, what's low, what's not, and that. I think Usyk's belly button would have been roughly, you know, where his cup, top of his cup is or the top of his trunks would have been. That's where been, his belly button would have been. Okay? So, therefore, if you look at the shot, my opinion, and it's only my opinion, it is a low blow after... Going back and checking it. And I did check the WBC rules, although the WBC title was now on the line. It also states as well, low blows are, are any part of the body below the navel. It was below the navel, in my opinion. Low blow. <sighs> Look, job done. But we don't need a rematch. Maybe after he fights, what's his name? Hergovich, possibly. Mm. But I think um, I think the, 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 the low blow detracts for the fact that how the fight ended. And that was with Dubois taking a knee and then basically seen out the fight. And got stopped my jab, basically. Yeah, well, pretty much. Um, a swivel jab or an up jab, as, as uh, Seb would have said back in the day. Eight count says Dubois had already low-blowed Usyk many times before the controversial knockdown. The ref wanted Usyk to recover properly. And I agree with him. So there you are, eight counts jumping in. Terry Woodfine says Triple D is a leader of the BLM movement. Proves it by taking the knee at every opportunity. For fuck's sake, Terry. Uh, Matty, what about you? you? <laughs> what about you on the end in there? What happened at the end? Had you sh- uh, uh, Dubois rather shot his bolt? Did he want out of the fight, as Andy suggests? Other people have said this as well. Talk to me, Matty. Yeah, I think he wanted out. I, I, I think he um, he might have felt like the deck was a little bit stacked against him, and he and uh, he he just couldn't seem to uh, to find uh, any any shots that were meaningful after that. Well, I, you know, I mean, a couple, but really nothing in the last few rounds of the fight. And I and I think it, it really started to get bad for him when Usyk started to be able to find that right hook. Um, he, he'd been looking for it early and, and just missing it the shade every time. And, and then it seemed kind of after the, the low blow round that he, he started finding a home for it. And, and that seemed to find uh, kind of spell the end for Dubois. And I, I kind of do think uh, he, he took the easy way out on it. I don't know if he had a, had a chance at that point in time. Um, but um, yeah, he, uh, he, he did seem like uh, he, he went to a, went to the knee and uh, and uh, just waited for the count to get near 10 and decided to take his check and go home. Um, hopefully he was on time for his return flight, though. I, I heard that he missed his uh, his departing flight. Oh, well, hopefully yeah. he's all right anyway. Uh, number one, Matty picked up on something that I was going to mention. I completely forgot about it there, actually. By the way, the StreamYard link's in the chat if anybody wants to jump on and have your say. The StreamYard link's in the chat. Number one, Paulie TV, I don't know who that is, maybe Malinaz, you expect, was saying the canvas was wet. didn't seem that way to me. This is something they're going to have to get no, on top of. You can hear it. You, you can yeah, hear their You can see it pissing down. But yeah. This is something that I, I mentioned a few weeks ago when we were at the, the failure. And the fighters had water on their back. It was starting, you know, the wind was starting to blow it into the into the ring and all. They're gonna have to get a grip on this, you know. The same again last night. If it starts pissing it down with rain, these sort of ten feet square, whatever it is, canvases over the re- uh, the ring with the 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 rain coming in, the wind and all the elements and whatever. They're gonna have to get a grip on this, Matty, because or stop having outdoor fights or something, because this is starting to become a problem. I think. 
Yeah, I think there's issues with uh, having every, all these things in football stadiums. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I go back uh, thinking about, uh, you know, one of the worst ones I recall was uh, probably uh, Sergio Martinez against Martin Murray in yes. Argentina. And that one, I mean, Sergio with his bad knees, I mean, that was just spelled disaster. Lucky to get out of there with a win in that fight. Um, and I, you know, they're, they're trying to obviously get them as much occupancy as they, as they possibly can. Um, but I mean, given it's so much more, uh, prominent for storms to happen in the, in the afternoon, uh, or, and, or excuse me, more so in the evening times, I, you know, they might need to think about pulling some of these fights back a little bit. And, and I think a lot of people, uh, in, in England would certainly appreciate it because then they might be able to catch a train back home, uh, walking out the doors. So something worth considering going down the road because this, this does seem to be fairly common when you think about it yep all you promoters listen to matty there he's given the advice chase athletic says canvas was soaked k2 promotions we'll be talking about k2 promotions later as well uh, regarding anthony yigit uh, andrew andrew thickett says dubois a bit of a conundrum seems willing to fight anyone regardless of their advantage and experience and skills yet dislikes the fight when he is facing adversity. Mark Stanton says, at least Michelle Hall Phelps didn't get wet. Um, I, I don't have any opinion on Michelle Phelps, to be honest. Jesus! Tell you what, she's, she's, How do you know she didn't get wet? What the she's, fuck? That's she, fucking sunset. She's worse than Belle, you're in Shiban. Since she retired, we've seen her more often than ever, I think. She's turning up all the time in all the videos. She retired three weeks ago. Well, now, now she's living off of student loans. So I, can good well, I, think, I think Steve, is, uh, I think the semester starts back in September, possibly, mate. So all right, okay. See, oh, it's summer why. break. Yeah, yeah, still freelancing at this point. Freelancing, right. Why not? To, she'll be going to Al Capuco in late March for spring break. Well, good luck go to her. Go. Good luck to her. That's what I say. Uh, there's the the picture on the screen that uh, was sent to me. Anyway, here's one for you, Andy. A bit of an interesting take. Uh, Latika dog. I don't know where this came from. Reddit or somewhere. I think someone put it in the Nutters chat. It was definitely low, and I think Usyk saw what happened to Lomachenko with Salido, and has vowed to never let that happen to him because he seems very sensitive to low blows and is super quick to call them out, which I think is a good thing. Says Latika dog. I don't think the first thing that went through Usyk's mind when his bullets were rattled, <laughs> man, it was about Loma getting... A fight nearly 10 years ago. Exactly, mate. I think he's just kind of worrying about, I ain't feeling too right right now, guys. You know, I mean, he jacked this, you know, like, fuck, come on, man. Well, yeah, I, I, I take, take his point as definitely a low blow, but, you know, I had to go back and watch it so I can change my opinion. It's okay to change your opinion, guys. Those that are running, you know, running the narrative, and that, oh, he definitely hey, he definitely Amen. looked for it. You know, I made a mistake, and I've, I've changed my mind after like looking at it very kind of close detail. Us men are stubborn, Andy. I know, I know. But then again, you know, you want views and clicks and retweets and that type of thing, and that you know. So, but um, no, nah, I don't think uh, um, the first thing he's thinking about is Loma Salido. I'm just thinking about oh, like, fuck, I'm a bollocks or whatever, and that you know. So. Look, only music knows how much pain he was in. Um, yes. We don't know, as I say, you know, the trajectory that cup took, if, if it did take anything like that. But as I say, on second viewing, on, on many viewings, different angles, that type of thing, it does look like it's below the, the belly button. Therefore, illegal. So it's okay, guys. You can change your opinion. It's okay to be wrong. Okay, I was wrong, and I've changed it. So. This morning for breakfast, uh, Usyk had eggs, and they were scrambled. Oh. Yeah. Scrambled eggs, scrambled brains. Let's look at uh, what's going to happen for the next, uh, for the both of them. Daniel Dubois, I'm not really sure where he's going to go. He had a nice little payday, though. That's the main thing, I suppose, Matty. First, AJ and now Dubois have both enjoyed success to Usyk's body. 
Will the third man of UK boxing, Tyson Fury, will he be the man to finally snap him in half and end this unbeaten run? Do you just get this weird feeling like Fury, he's just such a fucking weird guy. And as much as he pisses us off, he's he's so talented and he he can box when he needs to box. He can big man when he needs to big man. I just get this feeling like he's he's just like this whole waiting on Usyk thing and making us think that he's afraid to fight him is just all bullshit because he's, you know, fucked out of his gourd. And uh, and he's going to go in there and he's going to take out Usyk in six rounds or less. He's just going to go in there and just wallop him to the body or not. I don't know. He's just going to big man. I mean, if you look through Usyk's resume at heavyweight, I mean, impressive as much that he's, that he's come up. Um, he's he, he has, you know, he hasn't exactly fought a, a murderer's row of heavyweights at this point in time. Uh, and uh, and he hasn't really fought anyone. Who, who has the ability to do that. That's just not AJ's style. He's, he's too, too tepid, too passive working behind a jab to, to fight that kind of fight. Um, so it'll be, um, yeah, I, it'll be interesting. And if you look regarding him taking his body shots, I find it really interesting. If, if he's like, he's bulked in the stomach, like, you know, he still, his abs are still visible. He's still cut, but he's got bulk in his stomach. Like he's visibly been trying to build himself up there. Um, so, it's just something I noticed. Well, Usyk hasn't fought a murder as well with heavyweights. Do you think the fact that he uh, unified the cruiserweight division undisputed and then moved up as the smaller man and beat Joshua twice, etc., gives him a little bit more kudos? Oh, I think it's incredible. I, I think doing that like assured a, a trip to Canastota. He's a Hall of Fame fighter for what he's done at this point. Um, but it's it doesn't mean um, it, it doesn't mean that that he'd be able to hang with some of these other, uh, other heavyweights. Like I really think, you know, regardless of who has the belts, um, it, the heavyweight division is still, is still Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. They're not one a and one B like, you know, before they fought, but they're still one and two by uh, leaps and bounds. Honestly. The chats are still divided, much like Usyk's ball sack. Uh, one foam says, no way was it a low blow. Usyk doesn't like the body shots, rolled around the ground like a child. <laughs> Lost all respect for him. No more respect from one foams. <laughs> A.K.A. Leslie Nielsen. Kaiser Cobra says, shots to the top of the cup can hurt. Watch Tito hit Vargas on yeah. the belt and the visceral reaction. Of course, Vargas, Vargas didn't mel- uh, milk it, Andy, but he was hurt. I'm just, I'm just trying to write my brain out. Actually, all the people of milk. So, I mean, remember, remember Floyd milking that my Dana apparently bit him through a boxing glove <laughs> and a fucking mouthpiece, and he was like crying about it and that. Did you lose all respect for Floyd there for trying to kind of like you know buy a decision? What about Corrales spitting out the mouthpiece twice against Castillo to buy time because he needed the time to kind of recover? And what happens? Comes back with one of the greatest finishes of all time. Uh, Ali getting dropped off uh, Henry Cooper, and then all the, all the shenanigans. All the glove shit. The gloves, you know, I mean, this is a fight, man. What the fuck? It's boxing, not ballet. Yeah, crazy. If it was up to me, Orlando Salido would referee fights. That's what I want. <laughs> you, know, you, should, you should get back to the refs back in the 20s and 30s, man. You're like, literally, just, just didn't even bother with the, 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 you know, the mandatory eight count. Just, just let the fighter hover over the top of the guy when he's on his knee. You see, the oh. he stands up again, just start punching That's them again. That's right. Yeah, the fighter wasn't pushed back to the neutral corner, were they? Until no, quite recently. It all changed with Dempsey Tunney, too. And that was a rule that Jack Dempsey himself asked for that ultimately cost him the fight. That's right. He'd asked for it after the fight with the Argentinian. Was it Furpo yeah. or something, I think? And then it came back to bite him years later. Good I, historical I think knowledge. It was, I think it might have been after the first Tunney fight. Wasn't that the second one? 
I thought it was the, to do with the Furpo fight, but I'm, I'll not argue with you because I'm no historical the, genius. The fact that I know that much should impress everybody at this point in time, so we'll just run with it, Steve. Terry would find that you just remember me mentioning Hopkins. Hopkins was always crafty, using the referee as blindside as well. Hector Camacho did it as well. Hector Camacho to try and buy time. See, he went into a clinch and the referee split them up. Boxing what, is not a gentleman's sport. Watch Camacho, watch what he does. He always goes behind the referee, so it then gives the referees then lost him, so he's trying to look for him. He's then got to kind of like step back. And I get that, that that used to buy Camacho five, ten seconds of kind of precious rest. They Did, were all at it, man. They, they know how to buy time if they're hurt, if they're hurt by an illegal blow or a, or a legal blow, whatever it is. What, they know how to... Sweet Pea used to do it too. He used to swing his hand over to the opposite side of him and catch his opponent like behind the head in a clinch and shit like that. He would do all sorts of freaky shit on the opposite side of the referee. Joanne so, stopped Ken Buchanan with, with a volley of low blows. He your poor Ken's bollocks, man. See, and, and poor Andrew Galata watched that and he thought, you know, poor Polish kid is like, oh, that's a great finishing uh, method right there. And then he gets disqualified for it. It's just bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Poor Galotta. Uh, Andy, you've often described this sport as the red light district of sports. We're talking again about controversy. Once again, this week, we've seen some more controversy in boxing. Robert Hellenius as well getting done for PEDs. Again, another one who needs to keep the receipt. We're seeing mismatches all the time. We're going to Adam Hamed shortly. Dodgy counts. We're seeing suspect officials both in and out of the ring. Relentless PED issues. Drugs, cheats exposed. Boxing will always survive. We're always going to be here, the dickheads every Sunday evening speaking about it. But is the sport's credibility on the ropes a little bit at the moment? <laughs> what credibility, mate? Fuck's sake. It's no <laughs> credibility, man. How, how it still survives, actually, with the amount of credibility <laughs> it's got left, man. It's incredible. Because uh, it's the amount of shit that goes on the amount uh, It was dishonest stuff. I mean, look, you, you had a fighter there last night, meant, meant to be fighting on primetime television, who then gets hit with legal letters and he gets stuck on fucking YouTube. You so, know what I'm saying? So despite the fact that there were great fights and some incredible incredible quality of fighters at the time, 90s heavyweight boxing is what oh. killed boxing's credibility. Because if you think about it, through everything, you had Tyson going to jail on a rape charge. You had Tyson biting Holyfield's ear. You had Morrison testing positive for HIV. You had the fan man incident during uh, during uh, uh, Holyfield oh, against uh, yeah. a bow. Um, and I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm even missing six. you had, oh, what's his bucket crying in the ring against Lennox Oliver Lewis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was like, and it, it all kind of fit in with that whole Jerry Springer era though. Right. You know, right guys, right time in its own way. But, uh, from there it was just kind of a, a moral decline kind of just echoes society in its own way. Does it not? I, I don't know what he's been caught for Hellenius now, but the thing is he deserves to be banned for putting up performance because he even took the drugs in the fucking first place. And he puts up that performance. It was pretty pathetic actually. So I don't know what it is. He's been caught for it to be fair. So it could be, could be anything. Um, but yeah, look, I think Larry Merson said it best. What was it he said again? It says nothing can kill box. No, what was it he said? What was Larry Merchant's? If I was fifty years younger, I'll kick you out. No, no, no. It was like he says, <laughs> he says nothing, nothing can, nothing can destroy boxing yet. No, nothing can improve boxing, but nothing can kill it or something along those lines. <laughs> you know, I'm I wish probably... Donnie was here. He probably fucking know that one. Uh, I, I've, I've kind of butchered that a wee bit, but mate, we see it every week. There's always some sort of controversy. And then again, you've got people picking sides, and oh, it's it's, it's been pretty pretty full on. I mean. See, I see Derek, Derek Chisora trying to bring race into it now as well. And that kind of a black man winning in the white man's backyard, especially Poland. Oh, I mean, 
fuck's sake, come on. Mm. They need that shite. Um, and then obviously, you know, just bring it up, you know, Nazim Hamed's son fighting, literally fighting a 17-year-old kid who looked like he's malnourished, man. Oh yeah, he needed fucking two plates of porridge, man, for his, for his breakfast. <laughs> You look like a rake, man. And you then you've got Hamid saying after the fight that I'm a dangerous man. A dangerous man, just pick up a 17-year-old fucking laddie. A rake victim. <laughs> 17 year old. That was bad. That man. was bad, wasn't it? That my god. It just, it just, you know the vibe I get off it. I, I get the vibe off a son who is living the millionaire lifestyle in Dubai or whatever it is now. He's fucking bored with life, so I'll become a boxer. You know, he sees everybody else doing it. Well, I've never fought before. I'm a sure professional, so this is my first fight, apparently. So we don't know what he's going to be, but that's I tell you what that was, man. That was like that was like uh, watching a Chris Eubank Junior uh, early doors fight. That's what that was. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought even worse. It was watching like, do you remember Andrew Flintoff had that fight? I thought it was oh, into those kind of realms. <laughs> well, so speaking of the fuckery of foot here, so so I mean, is it good enough time to go into Yigit and everything that he said uh, re- regarding what he yes. dealt with? Well, I, well let, I've got a video to play of him. Let me just close yeah. this out quickly. Sorry, Matthew, because Des said the top of the short sits level with the navel, low below. Amazing how many boxing people are pushing Dubois was Rob narrative. Perhaps it's to distract us from the way Daniel capitulated. That's what I said at the end. That's what that's what Andy said as well. And a more important comment, uh, more serious comment from Jason. He says, "Be hard to low blow Donny with that suit on." <laughs> he had got quite a high waistline, Andy, when we saw him last time. Ah, uh, in the bulging waistline as well, mate. Inshallah, <laughs> he looked like he was, he was dressed like one of the kind of goat herders. What do you call them? The the Bedouins and the, the fucking <laughs> Bedouin <laughs> in the Iraqi desert. Oh. And how do you harm them? And anyways, in the uh, yeah. philosophical sense, how do you harm the manhood of somebody dressed like that? Exactly. His wife wasn't too. His wife <laughs> looking like the says, "What the fuck am I married to?" <laughs> he got dressed in a power cut, as Andy would say. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, on to uh, serious matters on the undercard. Then, so in the, I suppose it was technically the chief supporter. Though we had Hamed and a, some kind of four rounder coming on because of the early Shiraz finish. Uh, Dennis Berenchik getting a twelve round decision win over Anthony Yigit. Scores a one fifteen, one thirteen. 116, 112, and 117, 111. Yigit was none too pleased with his treatment, though, after the fight, as he put up on Twitter. I've cut the video here for you if you haven't seen it, so let's listen to what uh, Yigit was complaining about. Right, so after the fight, uh, I have a cut here, and I have a cut on my head, and also this is swollen up, and I told them I need this stitched, and they told me uh, in the event that they can't do it because they don't have the equipment for it, uh, and that I need to go to a hospital to do it because they have the equipment there. I said, okay, so let's go, and they said, no, uh, we can't take you to the hospital. I said, why? They said, yeah, because the ambulance is only for life-threatening injuries, and I'm like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? And they told me that I need to get to the hospital by myself, so basically... I just fought my fucking heart out and then they just, you know, like, oh, thank you, Anthony, so much. All right, get the fuck out of here because, you know, we don't care anymore. So I came to uh, I came to the hospital after a lot of fighting. Finally, they decided to uh, to get me to the hospital uh, with the ambulance and then they just dumped me there. And, uh, uh, you know, luckily they could stitch me up. And now I'm outside the hospital uh, with no ride. Uh, I'm just standing here. K2 promotions. I expected much better from you. You guys are supposed to make sure that fighters are safe. I'm just lucky I didn't get a cut like Badu Jack, you know, or some of the other cuts. You've seen them. What, what's going to happen then? Huh? If, if I get cut that bad and you guys can't stitch it up on the place, what's happening then? To be fair, uh, Vitaly and Vlad are probably a little bit busy, so this probably goes to whoever is beneath them in the organization. Bernd Bonter, is it you call him, I think? 
I'm just double checking something now, Steve. Right, just bear with me mm. a second. But I'm pretty certain was was the Abdul Salamov Mike Perez fighting though a K two show, or were they no partly involved in it or something like that? That's, no. just, that, that's a couple sure. of times. That's a couple of times now, possibly. But that's that's bad to see that actually because say say that say that he was told to you know. See, I see everything uh, that that's true, right? And he didn't get the, the ambulance that uh, at all, and he had to go to the, the hospital, and he collapsed on route like what happened to Abdul Salamov. Fucking hell, man! Well, the Abdul Salamov fights changed the whole trajectory of New York boxing, didn't it? Yeah. Regarding the insurance sure. and everything, yeah. yeah? I get it put a lot of promotions off actually from even putting shows on in uh, New York for a couple of months, at least for a yeah. number of months anyway, but bad that like because he was badly bruised and it was a tough fight to be fair and like so you just don't know like after things have settled a wee bit what, what can happen to a fighter and afterwards yeah I know in the UK that uh, well in America from time to time Matty would see them sort of being pulled about in various states without any oxygen or anything uh, ever since certain incidents in the UK notably Eubank Watson uh, it's they're a lot more stringent at ringside I've sat at uh, shows before when they can't go on because the doctors or the ambulance or both away and they have to be back in the arena mm-hmm. for medical protocol but obviously in some of the countries or whatever or some other promotions Matty, they might not be as stringent or as you know financially ready to sort of cover those costs yeah i do think it's one of those things that when you when you scale it to larger fights with larger purses there's you know more opportunity to be able to expand your services but considering how many uh, seats were sold for that one uh, you'd think that they would have been able to provide top-notch uh uh, care for the fighters and um not too far off topic i don't think uh, I, I think it goes into kind of what terence crawford is saying with the he wants to see more like potentially a, the sport be unionized or or some sort of uniform protection for the fighters and i don't know maybe that should be part of the discussions about what has to be done you know and the the problem is it, it's i guess it's kind of like you know um flying uh domestically in the united states it's uh, the the TSA rules are never the same from airport to airport. Some of them require you, uh, you know, you you take this out of your bag, and some of them don't care, and some of them uh, require that you take your belt off, and some of them don't care. Blah blah blah. Well, it, if if a rule isn't completely uniform, then it can't be complete necessity, right? So I, I think there needs to be a discussion of what is in the best interest of the fighters in in these situations so that we can preserve their their health and potentially their life in the worst situations and if we're not starting the conversation with that i think our priorities are out of line so you know if any repairs need to be done to the sport as pissed off as we might be about sanctioning bodies and uh and and judging and referees etc etc maybe we should start by looking at what what steps should be taking uh, in in all jurisdictions for for the see, fighters and in the best interest of their health. See, see on that point, actually, see like, so like all other sports like football, NFL, uh, basketball, and that. I'd imagine all those players go through stringent medicals, right? You know, cat scans. Uh, you know, check. I don't know, everything. man. If you're if you think about it, Andy, as many of these guys end up with like CTE later in their career and shit like that, they're not obviously looking that fucking hard. They're team sports as well, though, aren't they? I suppose. Yeah, so but uh, they have a on, the, on on the teams to to get that sorted, maybe. 
I don't know, yeah, regarding but... unionism, the the union and stuff like that, Andy, we've heard people come off of there in the past, but it never gets pushed forward, like in pensions and that. And in fact, in the UK, we've had people going on about unions for fighters, and then all of a sudden they're in management and promotion themselves. And having unions for fighters is the farthest thing from their mind they can imagine. Nah, man, they're all in it for their own, their own, own exactly. gain, to be fair, mate. That's, that's at the end of the day, it's, it's always been like that, mate. It doesn't matter. If it's this year, next year, last year, or even going back a hundred well, years, boxing's always been the same. It's always been full of chancers and people wanting for a quick buck. Well, and maybe it should be falling on the sanctioning bodies too, because you know, if the, the, well, if because if you think about it, like these fighters are paid them pretty good, and that that's interesting. Why might a fighter not want to pursue unifying a division? Because that fourth belt, they're giving away ten percent of their purse in total between the four sanctioning bodies. Uh, you know, of their purse to, to them. So why why are they going to want to do that? Why are they want to give away that much that much money? You're talking about for the bigger fights. I mean, upwards of, of a million bucks. Yeah, but see, at the same time as most. Of the- but if they're paying them that much fucking money, then they should. That should be one of those things that they're at least in these title fights, fights that they're sanctioning. Um, you know, for their rankings, they should be providing it because if the fighters are paying them, there has to be some return of uh, on investment other than just some goddamn trinket. Go ahead, Andy. I can't remember what I was going to say, mate. It was, uh... <laughs> I was just going to say, like, mate, 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 most of these, like, the, these four belt fights and that these days, and that's usually like the, the top end guys where money's not really much of an issue for them, really, to be fair. But, um, obviously, in the end, you've seen Floyd uh, on unwilling to pay. Some certain uh, sanctioning fees. It's, it's happened in certain fights that before. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Man. At the end of the day, they say that they're, they're, they're non-profit, but you say they take what is it? They're three, four percent, and it's, they, they're in the rules not how much they're, they're meant to be paying. Certainly, like agent fees and you know, eliminator fees and mandatory bids and all that. It's, it's just crazy, man. But they say, I. Th- I don't know. The best way it would be is just to get rid of them all together. We keep mentioning it all before, but. What do you do with them? Uh, boxing pound for pound, Jack says actually there is a cap of three hundred thousand dollars for sanctioning fees. Cap for heavyweight, though, eh? Yeah. Well, the uh, WB weren't the WBC trying to bring in some kind of pension thing? Okay, where you, but you pay... is, is that per body or in total? Like that'd be the question. Must there. be per body, surely. They're not going to want to split all own that meagre amount between them, are they? So the you get up to yes, yeah, so you get up to one point two million dollars on that. Mm-hmm. And again, you're talking me. That's quite like one of the mega fights. If you're going to get like the four bills in the line, I mean, yes, spe- that's that's literally Crawford Spence kind of money. Yeah. But you're talking like, like some of these, you know, body, yeah. some of these average fights and things like that. These guys, you know, getting that million and a half kind of PBC payday. You know, splitting two and a half between them, two belts on the line. Uh, I mean, so you're talking at that point in time, they're probably giving up a hundred k a guy, two hundred, you know, maybe a little bit more. It's pretty substantial. I mean, they, you, you can't provide a fucking oxygen tank at ringside. Yep, exactly. Well said. Right, let's close out the undercard then. Uh, Andy, I know you struggled to see some of it like me. Uh, Baranchik getting the win over Egit. Uh, Shiraz looked a million dollars against Mitrofano, but he was about three foot taller than him. Beat the shit out of that fella. Didn't Ten see years ago, different fight, man. Different <laughs> yeah, fight. Quite possibly. Uh, Shikashin. Uh, Shukushin, whatever you call him, lost to, oh my god, this is an even tougher name, Nagami Sengwe. I'm struggling this with this one. He just got outworked, to be honest. I did actually see a bit of that one, yeah. I've never seen that one, mate. That that would have been a shock, because I think that uh, Fedor, but we'll just call him Fedor, uh, he was favourite to win by decision, I think it was. Yes. 
Never seen it, mate. I've only seen Hamed. I caught the last seven or so rounds of the, the Yigit fight, and my stream died on me on the on the Shiraz fight, but I did I did catch the first round. He was looking pretty good on the jab, wasn't he, with the kind of long arms? Yeah. Uh, and I hadn't been able to see the actual finish itself, apart from it's on Twitter and that. So, uh, yeah, it's a good win for him, actually, to be fair. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Every pronounced that uh, that Ukrainian guy's name. Uh, him against uh, Derevinchenko from the World Series of Boxing. That's a quality five round scrap. If you get a chance to uh, look it up on uh, YouTube, good, good, good time. Give you the recommendation, uh, Matty. Uh, before we move on to the rest of the action, let's have a look down the chat. See who's hanging around there. Vibrant chat tonight. There's about oh the big fights been get the big numbers. Forty three thousand seven hundred thirty six in the chat, including Jim McDonald boxing. Doing the Lord's work as a spanner there. We've got Mr. Dermo as well sliding in. And the number one, Mark Stanton, pound for pound, uh, boxing pound for pound. Jack is giving some uh, sanctioning fee advice as well there. Harvey Price boxing returns, has returned alongside Johnny. We've also got who else have we got in here? Just going up Northern Monkeys in there. Sad Ken, James Webb, RO, uh, Leon the Canteen, a stop by Boxing Channel 2, uh, David Mustard. And let's just scroll up and see Kaiser Cobra's there. So Danny He Yoga. used to be Colonel Mustard until he was caught in a murder. <laughs> he got out, uh, outed, violently outed, exactly. Uh, Stephen MCM is joining us on this Sunday evening. So is MB. Andrew Thicket representing over on Facebook, our lone listener. Uh, Chilo35, that's Jason Cheel. Patrick S, Terry Woodfine, F Google. Uh, James G, Des is there as well. So is Frank Fitzgerald. Madman Chase Athletics, our American correspondent. And uh, Nikki Shellard. Uh, or Nicky Shallard, as Matty might say. Albert Ross is there. Uh, Tosh Brendan's home, Junior Malone. Paul123. There's a load of them tonight. Tom Smith is there as well. CM Fox. Arlene Burley. And let's see who else we've got at the bottom. The Juice is lurking. Literally, there he is, the Juice. Uh, Dale Baker has jumped in as well, and I think that'll do for now. That's yeah. all of them. Everyone wants to get their piece in when when people have, uh, it's a big fight and there's controversy, but nobody wants to do the hard work and watch Showbox and wake up at five in the morning to watch fights from Japan, etc. Did you watch Aussie card, Marty, by any chance? No, I didn't. Um, Casual. I, yeah, I had no interest in that. Did you watch the show, uh, the uh, Pro Box card from Wednesday? I had it on, but I didn't actually pay full attention because I was actually doing some work at the time. You know, I was dusting off some stuff. So, dusting off a bit of stuff for Andy. Uh, tell us about it now, then, as I give a shout out to Simon Sinclair, uh, Matty. Uh, Pro Box on Wednesday evening. Raul Garcia losing a split decision to Leonardo Ruiz. Two undefeated fighters. Didn't manage to catch this one myself, unfortunately. What did I miss? I uh, kind of thought that uh, th- that fight uh, shouldn't have been a split decision. Um, I, I thought that uh, Ruiz definitely did enough in uh, to win clearly in that fight. So a little bit surprised of a split decision, but I guess inside there were kind of uh, some tight moments in there. Um, but there was a, a knockdown in that, I believe. Yeah, I think it was in the fifth round on that one. Um, so that was, and it was, uh, I tell you what, that um, Leonardo Ruiz, he could be an interesting fighter. Uh, this was a, uh, they were both uh, over the 154 pound limit, but he could be an interesting guy at the weight, Steve. He's, he's a, a big guy, puts his shots together, uh, goes to the, goes to the body. Well, um, and uh, with the referee that wasn't as heavy handed with the low blows early um, as one in this fight, uh, he might've been able to show that more. That was uh, Frank Santori actually. 
Um, so that was that was a good scrap there. Uh, keep an eye on Leonardo Ruiz. That was a fun fight. Definitely one of the more entertaining uh, fights of the week. Uh, Justin Paldo against Estuar- as, uh, Eduardo Estrella was a, a good fight. Uh, enjoyed that one. Paldo uh, definitely got the better of it uh, for sure in that one. He's he's one to watch. He's um, only one defeat on his record. I can't remember who he had lost to, but he's um, he, he's a solid fighter. I'm enjoying Pro Box because they are taking on some of these guys who have maybe had a, a defeat or two on uh, on their record, but they they see something in them and they're not giving up on them. Paulo really puts together his punches pretty well. Um, goes to the body. Um, has has speed covers up pretty well after he gets done with his work. I kind of worry that maybe somebody might punch with him and he can get into trouble, but we'll see uh, moving forward on that one. And then uh, there's also speaking of 154 pounds, there's this big punching uh, Johan Gonzalez. Um, he, the, I think all of his wins have been by uh, way of knockout two losses on his ledger, but this guy's just, He's, he's big, and he seems to hold his distance pretty well against when his opponent's up against the ropes. Um, lands big, hard shots. He was able to take out his opponent in this one. Um, he, he wasn't matched too hard in this fight, um, but uh, looking forward to maybe seeing him some more of him uh, because he, he definitely was going to have a puncher's chance in any fight, and he, he's a, a big boy. And uh, who knows? Maybe we could see Gonzalez against Leonardo Ruiz at a pro box card uh, down the road. Um, and, uh, the next one will be, uh, in, uh, not this Wednesday, but the next pro box coming your way. Matty's enjoying those. Uh, I'm enjoying the overtime boxing as well. OTX on a Friday evening. I'll be talking about that a little bit later on. Uh, Dirtman's DMB playlist says I watched the whole card last night in Poland. I've never seen so much strange refereeing during an event where you should have watched the Jared Anderson card, which uh, Tosh is saying, have you discussed the Anderson card yet? We haven't. We're going on to it very shortly. Just before we do, a bit of housekeeping, tidy up a couple of cards. Australia in a minute with Andy. First of all, though, over in California, I'll just mention the results. I didn't actually see the fight itself yet. It hasn't dropped. Callum Walsh uh, from Cork improved to 8-0. He's based in Hollywood under Freddie Roach, and he's promoted by Tom Loeffler. He got a fourth-round retirement victory over Juan Jose Velasco. So good luck to him moving forward. Over in Australia on Wednesday, Andy, I didn't see the Liam Wilson fight. The only one I saw from this card, I think the same as you, was uh, Nikita Sue against Jack Brubaker. A sixth round knockout win for Sue. He got knocked down himself. I think it was maybe in the second round. Bad damage to the eye as well. He's going to be a fun fighter coming forward. Throws a lot of shots. He's going to be in trouble if he faces a puncher. He is a talented kid and he has got a lot of good support. Brubaker, too, too tough for his own good. A good old-fashioned Aussie rumble, Andy. I thought I watched it on Thursday morning. Yeah, it was a it was, it was a good one. The the one you're talking about, the, the knockdown, it was actually a clash of heads. Uh, and Zeus Quite right, down, yes, yes. And that's what's caused the uh, yeah. big bad well underneath his or the side of his, his right eye. But went to work right after it, mate, and uh, just kind of put a beating, as you say, on Brubaker. You know, he should have been pulled at the end of the fifth. I felt. And they sent him back out. He didn't, he didn't last long, I don't think, very much of the six. And just go basically, he was just getting bludgeoned. And at the same time as the referee stepped in to stop it, the towel came in at the same time, mate. So, yeah, you're right. He's an interesting fighter. Strong as an ox, actually. Same weight division as his, as his brother. But um, Southpaw, as you say, he, I think Tim's the same, actually. They don't have much upper body movement, much head movement. Um, so that that might be interesting as well if he kind of like meets, meets the, the higher-end fighters. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to watch. Uh, I suppose the other one to mention on that card, but I didn't see the fight was uh, Liam Wilson get a 10 round decision. Um, pretty much a shout out, I think it was in that as well. 
Yep, didn't catch that one myself. Uh, one entire card I caught, actually, was over in the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Matty, I'll just give my thoughts uh, quickly on a few of the fights. Charlie Suarez getting a win over Johan Vasquez. Jal, you love blasting away the Godzilla Ewari Army. That was pretty one-sided fair. Uh, Ablaykan Zhushapov looks like one to watch. He beat Winston Campos, who fought Josh Taylor a few years ago. Uh, Jeremiah Milton out the Dreamland beat uh, Craig Davis. Uh, Nico Ali Walsh fought against Sona Akale. That lost must be ma- the greatest. Lost a majority decision there. Abdullah Mason got a win over Cesar Villaraga. Bruce Carrington got a win as well. As for the main two fights, though, Matty, a strange one between a Jagba and Kosobutsky. Kosobutsky just absolutely lost his head. In the weekend of low blows, he kept on hitting a Jagba low that much that Chris Flores got fed up in the end and just threw him out of the fight. And then the main event, Jared Anderson was throwing some really nice... Uh, body shots against Andre Rudenko. I thought that he might get rid of Rudenko a little bit earlier. You thought it would go later. You were right. It went into the fifth round and eventually referee Gary Ritter had seen enough. It was a couple of odd fights I felt, those two heavyweight uh, clashes. Yeah, Rudenko's a tough son of a bitch, but uh, and you got to give uh, you got to give Anderson credit for really being the first guy to get out, get him out of there. The one fight that's a stoppage on his ledger probably should have been a, a DQ, not yes. a TKO or whatever the fuck yes. it was on there. Um, and I, I thought that Anderson uh, looked improved from the from the fight against Charles Martin. Um, maybe not as good of an opponent, but he's obviously working on it. He talked openly and honestly. Hey, I'm here getting a paycheck. You know, keep me active right on man treat it like a job uh keep moving you up um and, and that's fine with me um and uh, his body work was fantastic uh the over under was four and a half rounds so it barely snuck over that steve mm-hmm. uh just uh they they know they uh they nailed that one um the betters also uh, moved the uh, Usyk fight into the perfect position too. watch those markets but um so yeah we'll see what happens with anderson next um could be going again again uh going in against a jogba if his balls have uh, healed, um, he, he was taking some pretty uh, good low shots off of Katsubuski there, but laying in his own in there too, which I, I think is fair to mention. Maybe a, not quite even-handed uh, by the referee there, but it was um, a very bizarre fight. And at the end, I, I just feel like Katsubuski just couldn't give a shit about being there, and he was just done. Um, so uh, he uh, hit a Jagba in the balls one more time, and he called it a day. Um, so we'll see uh, if the commission uh, just uh, might withhold his purse or anything like that. I don't know. Um, I think it'd be perfectly uh, reasonable to withhold, you know, half of it or something like that for some bullshit. He really didn't give a shit, did he? Like, I was going to say, my <laughs> feet, yeah. he, he, he really gave off. He could not give off any less of a fuck at that DQ, man, didn't he? He just did not give a fuck. He's like, oh, well, fuck it. You know, even after like the fight's waiting to get announced, you know, he's, he's walking about like, all right, what's, what's, what's next? I don't know. What if... He's shrugging and all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very, very uninteresting, the whole thing. So, um, yeah, I was kind of surprised. Um, you know, I, I thought he had a really good left hand and I uh, didn't uh, get a chance to show it other than testicle shots. So that was a shame. Um, but anyhow, um, we'll see how that will shakes out in the boxing prediction league. Didn't really help me there. Didn't help me that I get, didn't get my picks in. On time for the Shiraz fight either uh, there, Steve. I know. Shame on me. Shame on me. Who were you going to go for the Jagba fight in the Prediction League? No, I got that one. In, oh, you got it. What did I, you I go did, for? I went Kosobutsky on. Yeah, me uh, too. I did as well. Oops. Sick. I think I think the leaders did as well. So fucking no blood for us, I guess. 
Um, mm. But um, yeah, I, I ended up talking myself into Shiraz winning my stoppage too. I just um, saw the Ukrainian kind of leaning in and Shiraz does have that good right hand for any uh, liabilities that, that might be there. So, oops. Um, as far as the top rank card goes, I thought that the uh, the best fight of the card might have been uh, the Suarez versus Vasquez fight, Steve. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that one. Vasquez was almost a 10 to one underdog. I didn't think that uh, he deserved to be uh, quite that wide. So uh, I put a literal couple dollars on him. Didn't go that way, but he had his moments in there and he landed some clean shots, made Suarez work for it all the way. Um, Suarez uh, definitely landed the cleaner shots down the stretch uh, when he was willing to hold his feet. Um, he, he, he landed some good hooks and uppercuts along the way. I thought there uh, showed some good variety with his left hand when he turned southpaw. Um, but I think I might have just been pulling for Vasquez because, Steve, I don't know if you noticed from his boxer, Suarez just has an absolutely punchable face. I don't know. There's, there's <laughs> something about it. He's just, just very punchable kind of guy. So, um, but um, it was um, – and then Jeremiah Milton, man. What the fuck is with this guy? I, I, like, he has his moments, man, but he he's about as good of a finisher as an angsty teenage girl with a razor blade. Jesus Christ. Fuck's <laughs> sake. Oh, <laughs> it's ridiculous steve just ridiculous yeah. anyways that's all i really have to say about that okay that's probably probably for the best to be honest uh, andy what about what about you on the top rank card i think kosabutsky just um fell to jagba's power he knew the referee was on his case and he was just like fuck this i'm getting out of here back to germany or kazakhstan or wherever he's based i mean he's not gonna get called back to any fucking yeah. <laughs> he's just been classed as unreliable not fit for purpose. I mean, yeah, okay. I think there was there was no like a bit of like a, a wrestling move in there or like a judo move, a couple of low blows for a jag in that as well. But he's he just after the first one, he just like totally melted. He just mm. he just he just fucking didn't give a fuck. And then obviously that that one as well. We're talking about you know Hopkins used to do. He used to try and like say like low blow you or hit you. Remember about the hip and that when he was in the blind side of the referee if he was up against the ropes. Fucking, that's what happened to him last night as well with the with the, with the last shot that can I see him getting DQ'd. It was just weird. And then Anderson, okay, Rodenko has probably had his day, but at best at his prime, he was European level. He just beat him up, I think, and he just once he started getting the combinations going, and that it was just a matter of you know how long it was going to take. I think it was um, a keep active confidence yeah, builder after the Martin fight, wasn't it, really? Well, apparently they were saying in commentary that he admitted that he got kind of bored during mm. the Martin fight. So if maybe he needs to be a bit of a kind of mentality switch on there, possibly. I've seen the Jalilov fight. I remember I was kind of like moaning about the Jalilov, like never really appearing on top rank shows and he, was signed, he had signed pro contract, but obviously it turned up during the week that he's been hit with legal papers or legal situations. So his fight got pulled off that card and got stuck on YouTube. Again, man, that's, he's, he's fighting trash, you know. What opponent, man. He made Ebenezer Tete look like flipping oh, Riddick Bow, didn't he? Mate, I don't think that dude has ever seen a boxing ring before, man. His <laughs> foot movement was awful. Absolutely horrendous on the legs and the guy. Um, it's it's a shiny record, that's for damn sure. Mm. I think it's Jalov just, two or three months ago, he won the World, the world Championships the, at the amateurs. That's, he's still fucking mixing with, with, with the elite amateurs at this point. And he's fighting trash like that in, in his pro fight. I want to no, see him I'm, fight Jeremiah Milton. Well, I don't know about that, mate. I just don't know what's going to happen with this legal situation that he's kind of found himself in because, as I say, it's, uh, it's a pro career that's not really kind of delivered much so far. And he's, what is he, 29 now, 13 fights. And I don't think the fights have went, you know, many rounds, to be fair. I think he's went the distance, maybe. Or I don't think he's went the distance at all, has he? Um, 
again, is this, is this legal situation going to have him out, you know, decent fights for a long enough time? Don't know, mate. It's, uh, it was a weird one. What else did I see? I don't think I've I I seen everything else in that card. I didn't see Ali Walsh. Uh, it was decent. Oh, yeah, fight, that's though. right. <laughs> I didn't think he lost that. I didn't think he lost that fight. To be honest, I thought maybe the draw was fair, but I thought the cards were kind of reversed from what they should have been. I I, I kind of thought he uh, he did enough in that one, honestly. Uh, just quickly, uh, Matty on uh, FA Jagba. Timothy Bradley mentioned midway through the fight. I know it didn't last very long. Something about oh, Jagba needed this win or he needed this performance. <laughs> midway through the fight, yeah, like oh, the, I know, yeah, exactly. Five minutes into, oh, the, into the fight, maybe it was at the end. I can't remember. <laughs> at some point, he said uh, Jagba needed this win uh, because or this performance because his contract might have been on the line. If not, uh, what are Top Rank going to do with him? Why did they sign him from the PBC in the first place? I mean, what do they see in him? Which direction are they going to take him? They signed Jalalov as well. They've signed Mahmoudov. They've got Milton. They've got Stefan Shaw. They're signing up all these. Heavyweights, what's the end game with someone like a Jagba? Do you think? I think he's a really good gatekeeper at mm. the end of the day. A good B side, kind of. Yeah, who, who should and, and someone who can test a guy, see if they're ready for a title quality. Um, you know, what whatever person that might be out of the top rank stable, he might end up facing a couple of these young guns that they have uh, going for him. But um, he's definitely going to be chosen as an opponent, but he's good enough to get a win uh, against one of these guys, depending on the night too. It, it'll be interesting. He's a uh, Jack was just, he's got that great punch, but he's, he's just lacking something, Steve, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say it is, but, the, but he, he did look better in the spots when he actually was working and they weren't low blowing last night, but there's just still something about him that, that keeps him from being that upper echelon kind of fighter. He's definitely a gatekeeper. Yeah, Andy we... Chase making a good point there. FA size alone is a problem for most people. Yeah, of course, if he can use the reach not to his advantage and just kind of keep it, you know, it'd be, it'd be ideal. You know, Manny Stewart would be, if he was around, that would probably make him, you know, pretty pretty unbeatable. You know, just considering with the reach and the, if he could just throw that right hand decently behind it, that would be pretty decent. Just got to defend that chin. But one thing I've, I've kind of interesting for like Tim Bradley's comments there last night was. was it made it sound like he was kind of like fighting for his his top rank contract, mm. basically. Well, you know, so yeah. that's the kind of language he was putting out there. So it was kind of like he got to impress, he's got to win. Um, he won the fight, but it took a lot out of him at the same time. You know, getting drilled in the balls like that, man. You just don't know if there's any damage here as well. Bob Aaron really knows how to fuck with these guys, you know. Like he's, Ed Jog was fighting to keep his contract. Ray Beltran was fighting to stay in the country. It's fucking rough <laughs> fighting under Aaron, man. It makes you earn it, baby. It's all about yep. mentality, that championship mentality, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to the Bob Father. He's a survivor, much like ourselves. This is episode 537 of the Boxing Asylum Notez podcast. Andy's here, Matty's here as well. We're going to have a look through our reviews shortly. Also have a little look at a couple of retirees over the week and look at the action next weekend, including Liam Smith against Chris Eubank Jr. Let's tidy up anything from this previous weekend. I'll go over the overtime boxing stuff very quickly. I know Matt Butters is sitting on the edge of his seat, desperate to hear about this. Shout out to Andreas Katsarakis, a Greek fighter based in America. Got a good eighth round TKO win over Rafael Igbokwe. Uh, quite the entrance for Igbokwe. He had you know, these uh, people dressed up as characters flying about all over the place. It was great fun there. Shout out to Dante Lane making his debut with the first round knockout. We never Nathan Mitchell looked pretty decent. I, I thought they were going to sacrifice a goat during that entrance. I, <laughs> I had no idea on. what was going on, but it looked like fun. That's the main thing. It looked like fun. The main event was fun as well. Uh, eight round decision, majority decision win for Vladimir Hernandez. 
He's a Mexican with the first name of Vladimir. He's quite the upsetter, is this fella. We've seen him beat Alfredo Angulo in the past, uh, Julian Williams as well. He got knocked out by Jesus Ramos, but gave him six rounds of work. He pulled off another upset win, this one, against Lorenzo Simpson. Uh, 13 and 07 knockouts coming in. Simpson was meant to be a bit of a blue chip prospect that a lot of people thought would go far in the sport, training under Calvin Ford uh, alongside Javonta Tank Davis. Uh, Lorenzo Truck Simpson lost a majority decision to Vladimir Hernandez. I thought that a draw was probably fair, 76-76, like one of the cards, but the other two judges thought not. They gave it to Vladimir by scores of 78-74 and a very wide 79-73. Uh, Matty, one round to poor old Lorenzo Simpson. He might as well have not have bothered. Did you bother? I uh, I haven't had a chance to actually catch that one because I was arguing with the zone because their stuff was running in slow time again. And uh, thank you to uh, the uh, the help folks there who you're only able to get in contact with and find an icon for chat if you go to the cancellation page. If anybody is wondering how to, like a way to get in touch with the zone, well, just go to the cancellation page and then all of a sudden it becomes easier. So I reinstalled the app and I was able to at least uh, watch. Um, what the hell did I watch at the, the end of? Oh, I watched the the uh, the the the, the Koyaso fight. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I will definitely get a chance to watch this. Uh, the last two fights. I caught the earlier ones in the card, Steve. Um, but it, it's a surprise, and you got to give credit to overtime. I mean, if the cards are going to be weird like that, and it's the underdog fighter coming in with the not glossy record, um, that's pretty uncommon. So um, I guess give it up for overtime for uh, keeping us on the edge of our seat. Uh, you mentioned as well there, Matty, just briefly the final show of the weekend that I was going to give a shout out to, The Zone. Uh, overtime was The Zone on Friday night. They also went to Puerto Rico on the Saturday night. Uh, Oscar Collazo getting a sixth round win over Garen Collazo, quite right. Uh, I think Dejan had enough in the end. They were trying to rub his legs, trying to get him back out there, but he didn't fancy it. And Andy's favourite on the undercard, Juan Carlos Camacho, slicing Jorge Orozco in half with a, a rib-busting body shot as well. So <laughs> did you enjoy the Collazo performance most of all, Mate? Yes, I didn't I didn't catch the rest of it, uh, the card yet, but Collazo is really good, um, and he's, he's still got time to develop. He's, uh, you know, fighting at minimum weight. Uh, his Filipino opponent uh, had had some moments. He, he tried to keep Coyazo off of him, but Coyazo's very measured, picks his shots well, uh, power out of both hands. Specifically, he's got a really good right hook. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where this kid goes. I mean, you're thinking all the, it's only seven pounds up to two weight classes north uh, and how much talent is between there uh, and, and uh, where he's at at 105 up to 112. So it'll be interesting to see if this kid is the goods. Um, I, I'm pretty stoked about him. Um, I haven't been, looked forward to a minimum weight fighter in, in quite some time. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to measure up to uh, what uh, Ioka and uh, Gonzalez obviously became um, after they started out at minimum weight. But I, I think Coyazo, um definitely has a pretty high ceiling. I'm excited about this kid. Uh, how high is the ceiling, Andy? And how high would the ceiling need to be for poor Orozco to manage to get onto that aeroplane after having his body smashed into oh. Poor bastard, mate. I mean, he was rolling about after the first one, and then see, like the 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 one that finally finally finished the fight. He actually took three rapid left hooks to the body, and 
honestly, it, I'm, I'm no kidding. He's basically lying there. The only thing he could move was his right leg from the knee down. And he's, try, he's kicking it into the floor. He's in absolute agony. He's lying on the floor for at least five minutes. I'm no, hey, Steve, you saw it. I'm no, I'm no even exaggerating here. And then he got lifted up to the to the stool. He's kind of like, you know, leaning over a bit, trying to kind of stretch out the rib in that. It's clear. It must be a clear broken rub there because... And for context, he'd never been stopped before and he trained, he's trained out of Canelo's gym his whole life under Chepo yep. Reno. So this guy, so he was no posse like. Yeah, but you can see him literally trying to get the glove off. He's in pain. They're unwrapping it. He's, he can lift, he's trying to lift up his hand. He's in absolute agony. Absolute agony. It was brutal. Absolute ending. Absolute ending how he got dealt with in that fight. And, uh, oh, that would be interesting. But uh, as, as for his ceiling, I think at 26... I don't know how 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 far he's, he's going to go. I think it might be a light flyweight, possibly. I don't think he'll jump up the weights as, as much as what Gonzalez does. Again, I'm doing the longevity and how long how long he fights. And I mean, he is quite an aggressive fighter. And I think if he meets somebody who can take his power and land back on him, that it'll be interesting because we've seen him. He's only had what seven, eight fights. It'll be interesting to see how, you know what happens if he does start taking some shots and how he how he responds to it because he's pretty much had it all his own way at this point, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. says that that Juan Carlos Camacho is is one to watch as well because uh, absolute beast and the ending of that Orozco was was just was just emphatic. Was an emphatic ending. Talking of emphatic endings as well, Andy, we'll stick with you. A couple of retirements this weekend. We'll go uh, for the pocket rocket himself. Last sensation, Kiko Martinez ended with fifty eight bouts, forty four wins, twelve uh, losses, five by stoppage, couple of draws as well, thirty one big KOs. He was a diminutive puncher, 37, he looked at 37 years of age from the time he made his debut, I think. <laughs> he, he had a lot of joy on UK and Irish shores, fighting the likes of Frampton a couple of times, Scott Quigg, Bernard Dunn was probably his big breakout one, Jason Booth as well, Rendell Munro, who's who of boxing. He became a speed dial option for Eddie towards the end, going in against the likes of Warrington, Galahad, Jordan Gill, Zelfa Barrett, always a man for an upset and he always bought the heat each and every time, even towards the end, Andy, I thought he was close to retirement. He'd come back with a big knockout, right, pitching till the last in Japan when he lost to Abe. Really great career and a familiar fighter for us on these shows. Yeah, he was always value for money, mate, always was. You know, it's crazy to think about 2007 is when he beat Bernard Dunning. He had hair, I believe, in that fight. <laughs> Knocked him out in the first round with the European Super Bantamweight title. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's looking straight now. He fought Rinder Monroe twice. Uh, Takalani and Love fought him in South Africa. You know, I've not seen the fight, but I can recall, so you don't know how close the fight was. It was quite close to the cards, everybody looks at it. Uh, beat Ireland, beat Arsan Matarosian, beat back oh, to was Spain. that that fight? That was on the, on the undercard of Brian McGee fight, yeah? Right, so I, he's kind of rematched him in France, so he's been all over the shop. He's then fought Carol Frampton, uh, defended the European title. Got, yeah, got stopped, an interesting fight as well. Uh, then fought Jeffrey Matabula, who's everybody can remember that guy, a big long rangey. Um, fought uh, down there. Yep. At this point, he's actually a world champion. He's he's, he's fought Romero, he's fought Matabula, he's fought Hasagawa, he's in the, the defending against Frampton and went the distance. Um, try to remember the Scott Quick fight again. I know he got stopped in two rounds. Quick battered him the same night Frampton beat, but struggled against Alejandro Gonzalez. And then the sort of Frampton Quig fight was cemented on the back of that, wasn't it? Quig uh, annihilated him minutes before I think Frampton fought Gonzalez or minutes after something I'm, like that. I'm rocking. I think at that point he's he's yeah. done. And then Santa Cruz he's had his way with him in, in five rounds, and then he comes back and he's warranting a hard fight. Um, yeah, it's, it's, and obviously again he's come back. He's had another go at Antoine Russell. Um, he's he's become European champion again. 
Um, and then of, he, he's, he's then fought Galahad, Warrington again, Silva Barrett, God, got, uh, Jordan Gill and that. So he's he's been up through all the, all the ranks, mate. He's even had another go at the European title at featherweight. You know, Wasn't Galahad for a world title? Uh, IBF champion as well, two weight division world champion. So uh, fair play, good career, always value for money, mate. Um, Gave Josh Warrington a tough fight, didn't he? In the first fight, do you remember when Warrington was still with Frank Warren? I think. Yep, yep. And I think after the the second fight, actually, at this point you're saying like it's, it's done now. He's he's, he's taking me go. But at that point he was he was actually a world champion then, wasn't he? But didn't he, he still he, break he, Warrington's jaw in the second fight? It was a Galahad. Fight. It was a Galahad knock at you think to yourself, this this guy is going to go in forever, man, because the way he ended that fight, that was that there was no debate. You know, it was just whoosh, iced. Um, and I think he'd be the, I think he'd been cutting that fight as well. Actually, so Warrington he, battered the head within the the head, didn't he? In the rematch yeah, after the Galahad fight, he was cut over both eyes, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right, Matty. He was he got a broken jaw, Warrington, in that in that mm-hmm. rematch as well, mate. And also, Matty, just as you come in there, one fight that didn't happen, which people might not remember, he knocked Bernard Dunn out in 2007 in the August, and in 2007 in December, he was actually supposed to come back to Belfast to fight Wayne McCulloch. Um, Pat McGee put the fight on and it was going to be in the King's Hall at the beginning of December and it got to the point of the weigh-in. They both weighed in. McCullough came in very light and Martinez missed the weight and the fight got cancelled. And uh, Cheryl, yeah. Cheryl ended up with a push and shove with the late Jack McGowan from the Belfast Telegraph and there was a few words exchanged and yeah, it got cancelled after the weigh-in, the whole show, but McCullough was supposed to fight um, Kiko Martinez. So what about, what about yourself, your memories, Matty? I think Andy basically went through all of them at that point in time. I, I enjoyed watching him, like, you know, and trying to think of, like, anything specific. But, like, even going back to, to getting streams of the Box Nation days, you know, like 2010, 2013-ish, like that. There, He was always just good bang for your buck. Someone that always, that always gave it a good go. And you're shocked that his career went this long because he's always been this bald. He, you know, he's only in like 37 right now at this point in time, but he's looked the same age for the last fucking 15 years. Um, so and Kiko um, really had himself an exceptional career um, after Sergio Martinez was able to get a hold of him and, and uh, give him some direction. So, um, you know, good on him right off into the sunset. Um, he has, uh, I mean, you got to think he's he's got to be in, in one of the best Spanish fighters of all time, if not the best. I mean, they're not like, you know, swinging big dicks when it comes to their boxing records mm. over there. He might be the best Spanish fighter of all time. I think he is, Matia. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, you talk about something to hang your hat on, being the best ever from your country. Hell yeah, go on, Kiko. And the funny thing about Kiko was as well, he was managed, I mentioned Pat McGee earlier. Pat uh, had him signed contractually for a few years and Kiko would have turned up on random shows. Like I think he fought on a Tommy Egan show in Dublin and then he fought a guy called Dougie Curran from Scotland in the Devonish, which is called the Emerald Roadhouse, which is like a little small hall show in Belfast. He used to turn up on these random shows and he looked terrible. I think he only beat Curran by two points or something. He always underperformed in those lower level six rounders and then he would come back in the main fights and that's where he saved all of his best moments for, which I suppose is the way to do it. But yeah, he would have turned up on low-key Irish shows north and south of the border as well. So got to see a lot of Kiko over the years and interviewed him and he was always a really nice, genial character, even though he didn't speak a word of English. So fair play to him. Saw a lot of Kiko over that time. Uh, speaking of retirements as well, there was another big retirement this uh, week, Andy. We believe, I hope it's not, all I'm going to say is I hope he hasn't made a rash decision here <laughs> and done it too soon. A relative, Kiko at 37 is a relative spring chicken compared to a man of 66 fights, 
Firat Arslan, 54-9-3, has hung up the gloves, we believe, at the ripe old age of 52, Andy. I hope he doesn't live to regret this decision. Oh, mate, what a career it's been, mate. Always value as well, even though it might be on the, on the kind of C-level scene, but there was a time and, t- a time and place around about the early 2000s, 2005, six, I think it was, been through. Gregor Drodge, who was like undefeated. Valerie Brudoff, when he was at his prime before Bellew got, got, got the leftovers. Virgil Hill, who was like, I think he was yoked on some sort of PED. Beat all three of them. Beat the Dingling Man as well. And then went into, uh, I remember this fight actually, Steve. This is maybe one we need to discuss on Punches for the Past at one point. Uh-huh. But the Guillermo Jones fight uh, in yeah, Germany. I remember man, that, that was, really, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Ashlan came out and he's laying the heat on that Latino ass, isn't he? And then Jones just starts late. You'd, you'd imagine Jones is cooked to the uh, to the gills and that as well, right? So yes. he just he just starts like, you know, with, with the crisp shots and eventually he just starts cutting. Arslanty ribbons and that man, literally doing a number on him, literally beating the shit out of him. It was, you know, toughness personified. Then the referee just steps in and stops the fight. Uh, but I was, it was, it was a brutal beatdown. So I, big Arslan was, I think he even fought. Who was it? Uh, did you know fight Marco Hook? Pushed him a twice. distance and that yeah. twice, twice, three right. times, I think. The first, the first fight yeah. was 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 uh, was quite a hard one for Hook and that because I think Hook by that point had already been up to heavyweight, possibly then come back down. Yes, you're right. Yes, it was. It was a yep, tough fight. Yeah. That, one, yeah. that was yeah, a good time uh, for fighting in cruiserweight, right there. That Huck uh, fight against the Box Nation days and that as well. Yeah, yeah. You could have watched it all. The Owen Pablo Hernandez fight in 2014 was the one that stuck stuck out for me, Andy, because Pablo right. Hernandez, nice fast hands, really skilled Cuban, punched up heavy. But if you got him past the five or six rounds, he had the sort of mentality, Cuban mentality at the time, like you could get on top of him and I think Arslan had a lot of success that that was a really good fight for him I might need to go back and watch it when I remember it being he was in his like mid 40s at that exactly. point exactly yeah he was about 43 like, by then later right. on and he's come back he's beat like, so, like Nuri Seferi and, and, again not a great name but was that not the one that Fury fought have I got that one wrong I think it was Sefer Seferi was, brother, right well he's fought him as well fought him at a draw that was 2018 he's got knocked off Kevin Lorena who almost knocked out Dubois um and he's Sorry. been like at the cruiserweight limit this whole time, just making two hundred pounds, making two hundred. Yeah, and, and also as well as I mean, he's he's I don't know what region of Germany he's based in, but he's actually had a, he's got a, an arena named after him. For Stuttgart, example. Andy, it, it, that's where it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's got a, a wee arena, and he's got his own boxing gym in that as well. So he's he's mad at his sport and that, like, but uh, he, he doesn't know badly his career and that as well. If he's got his own gym and he's got things named after him, that type of thing. So he must be some sort of kind of hero at some at least, you know. But I uh, was uh, he was good value as well at times. Yeah, he definitely was. Matty, Andy mentioned the Lorena fight. That was the last time he, he lost three years ago. Since then, he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven consecutive knockout wins. A lot of them in the fear at Arslan Sports Centre in Gopingen, which is yeah. in Stuttgart, I believe. So he's done, done well for himself. Yeah, just, just knocking over just random European chumps here and there, you know, doing his thing. There's nothing wrong with it. And he fought at a really high level. I mean, until his really up until his mid late 40s. And I don't think. He gets a lot of uh, gets enough credit for uh, for for just being kind of one of the Iron Men of boxing. Um, it's it's tremendous to see people who can compete at that at, at that level at, at such an advanced age. Um, you know, I mean, but we we talk about how incredible it was what Hopkins was doing, but you know, forty eight year old, forty nine year old, he wasn't beating great fighters. Steve, you know, he was mm-hmm. beating like Shumanoff and and shit like that. So you know, I, I look at you know like. 
or slant, you know, a couple levels below that maybe on, on what his competition was. But what he was doing at the age of 50, absolutely incredible. And um, I, I hope he finds a lot of joy in his life after boxing and every all of his faculties are intact because never hear like he's not one of those guys I've heard like controversial things about. Don't think I've heard about him like beating his wife or anything like that. So cool, dude, you know, like seems like a good dude. Well, yeah, absolutely. Let's hope so. Um, I think as well, Matty, just closing on on that final point you made there, not about beating the wife, uh, allegedly, but uh, it's okay. A lot of boxers, because it's the red light district of sports, as Andy said, and with licenses and stuff, a lot of fighters can keep going for as long as they want, pretty much, without anybody stopping them. But the outliers are the fighters, Matty, that are fighting and carrying on to a really, really good level, like Arslan. I mean, he wasn't at the top level, but he was still pushing, as you said, Hook. That was 43 then. That was nine years ago when he was pushing Hook and Hernandez close. So it's it's the outliers of the guys who are still fighting at that at that top level or, or thereabouts. Yeah, I, I think you just got to kind of judge them based on their performance at that point in time. And, and he was performing at a high enough level um, to still have the respect of, uh, of anybody uh, in the local commissions and, and such. And if you look through his record too, Steve, I mean, he's got a number of losses that are, you know, by split and majority decision as well. So I, I you know, even, you know, as he got older and, and some of those L's started to pile up, some were a little bit debatable in there too. So, um, yeah, it's uh, Arslan. It, like, honestly, that era of Cruiserweight is kind of like that. I don't know, probably say like 2005 through 2010. That was a really fun time for Cruiserweights in the sport. Uh, Lebedev was fighting in there. Guillermo Jones, as Andy mentioned. He always calls him Glenkoff Jones for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> um, probably because Glenkoff Johnson, to be fair, buddy. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, there's just uh, – uh, that was um, – uh, Steve Cunningham was fighting at that time. You mentioned Christoph Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was an interesting uh, fighter. He was. He had a good punch as well. Um, and then uh, you had Thomas uh, Adamic that was fighting during that time at cruiserweight too. Um, no, no, he skipped cruiserweight, didn't he? he? Went light heavyweight all the way to no. He did no, he fought at cruiserweight. I'm pretty yeah. sure. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of good, there's just a lot of good stuff going on there. And they like, even uh, like kind of the tail end of it, you had some of the decent, uh, uh, African fighters who came in there, like, uh, Tabiso and Chunu, like, uh, mm-hmm. he came out of nowhere, beating Eddie Chambers on a, uh, a, uh, I think that was on a Thomas Adamic card in uh, New mm-hmm. Jersey. Um, Wayne so. Braithwaite was a good puncher from Guyana as well. There you go. It was so, yeah, it, that, that's a good time. And, and Arslan was fighting right with a, a number of those guys. And, and there was um, oftentimes great fight of the year candidates uh, in that time too. So yeah, if you haven't had a chance, go to the checkout cruiserweights like 2005 to 2015 ish. It, it was a good time for the sport. It was. Talking of good times for the sport, there used to be a lot more boxing podcasts. Well, quality boxing podcasts knocking about. Tony Yeo said, what happened to Chemo and the Boxing Coalition? Shout out to the Boxing Coalition. It was essential listening every week. I think in the end, um, they just fell apart. I think they joined together from being listeners of the Boxing Voice. Uh, Cam was the name of the host. He was a good guy. I've interviewed him on the Patreon about five, six years ago. And Chemo was on as well. MV2 from Scotland. Uh, Ari Gold Boss, Kevin Horn. Yeah, it was really good listening at one point. Uh, was Daniel Lim as well was very funny. Came out with a, a few good uh, one-liners. A shout out to Cam. I don't know what he's doing now. I'm not on Twitter anymore, but the Boxing Coalition was a really, really good listen. Yeah, Leon and Chu always made me laugh. Yeah, Leon, that's right. Leon, um, I can't remember his surname now. He came on with us a couple of times as well. He was on there too. So, yeah. Shout out to the Boxing Coalition. Very, very good podcast at its peak. They're talking a good podcast at their peak. 
maybe we're at our peak. Maybe we're on the decline. Who knows? On the wrong side of 40 in many of our cases anyway. I mentioned earlier we've had a few reviews from around the world. Let's have a look at what the people are saying about the podcast. Um, close your eyes or ears now. <laughs> so uh, we had a, a year ago, we had a two-star review. So it's not, not too bad from Tua Vale. I don't know if that's anything to do with David Tua over in the United States. He says, uh, tagline, hard to understand. He says, <laughs> he says <laughs> their intro is hilarious. Can be a good show, but one of those UK guys is impossible to understand. And another <laughs> is close to that. Please stop talking gibberish and enunciate better. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know who's talking about. Ozzy. must be talking about Ozzy. <laughs> Oh, shout out to Tua Absolute Vail. disgrace. Absolute disgrace, exactly. This is a disgrace as well from D. Van Wade. He went all the way. No messing about. He went straight in balls deep with a one-star review. He says, uh, armchair experts. He says, how long have I listened to this podcast? A long time. What do I think about their views? They hate everyone. Are they a walking contradiction? Absolutely. How many results do they correctly predict? Not a lot. Cheeky bastards, Matty. <laughs> Winner of the prediction league here. <laughs> Basically, listen to this podcast if you have nothing better to do for a couple of hours a week. They hate everyone with even the smallest bit of success and do the embarrassing thing of painting a narrative with half-truths. If you want a podcast of people being overly negative about everything, except Tyson Fury, who they are disgustingly attracted to using third-grade hyperbole, even while we're experiencing a golden generation of boxing, then this is your podcast. I'm afraid this was my last episode, lads. Change the attitudes or lose more people. We want positive discussion and not boring hating. There we are. We're just going to have 7,000 subscribers, Matty, so I think uh, people are disagreeing with old D. Van Wade there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, after him, 6,999, but, you know. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, there's a few more for you. A, a Sunday night must, we mentioned before, again, to Matt Butters, that uh, we are a fan with the ladies. And this is from Lady Victoria A. She gave us five stars. She says, myself and my husband listen to the podcast every Sunday night. A comical, in-depth and bloodthirsty review of all the past week's boxing news and events. So there we go. Lady Victoria is a fan. Um, what else have we got here? Double uh, O underscore OX underscore OX said. Entertaining. So we, have, we have three female listeners then, Steve? Yeah, must, must have. I don't know what happened to... Uh, who was it in the past? Emily Was it Emily X? Do you remember Emily X used to turn up and we weren't right. sure whether it was a... Maybe she still listens and just doesn't chat anymore. Like, that's yeah, always possible. possible. I think so. Yeah. You just don't know, eh? No, don't know. Because a lot of people, Andy, we mentioned in the past, or oh, whatever happened to such and such, and then they message and say, oh, I'm still listening. Just don't comment anymore. So they're still out there. Anyway, entertaining amateur chat. These guys really know what they're talking about, and they spend ages analysing every aspect of the fights from the previous night. It's the kind of analysis you don't hear anywhere else, and they have none of the biases that most boxing journalists do. So that's really a refreshing change. Here comes the butt. It's complete <laughs> amateur error, though. <laughs> the sound quality is all over the place. And they're well up for letting some moron come on. And their idea of humour is something like, I hope Adrian Broner gets AIDS before his next fight. If you can put up with that kind of thing, it's a good listen. See, that's for like six years ago, so that must be yeah. that was my prime <laughs> <laughs> When did Broner fight Maidana? About oh, six years ago, yeah. Was it 14, 2014? Was it like nine years ago, ten wow. years ago? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. I Mr. Derma says it was more negative when Alex used to come on exactly. Yeah, some of these are from a few years ago, but we thought we'd put him on anyway. Uh, this one is he's a racist piece of shit. He is on Twitter oh, as no. at Donny Asylum Pod. And he's making <laughs> anti anti-Mexican comments daily to insult Hispanics. 
Uh, he uses Triple G means as a way to do so. The guy deserves no listeners to this show. I'd recommend iTunes revoke this podcast. That's one star from Zapatista49. <laughs> He's a communist too. That's great. <laughs> Oh, man, he's absolutely raging, is that fella? And uh, we have another one here. I thought we had a number seven, but it seems to have disappeared. Uh, cheesy UK commentating. So this is quite an old one here. He says, these island monkeys spend their whole time criticising American and Mexican fighters and fans while they talk up Khan, Burns, Froch, and their retired overrated Hatton. Lames! Exclamation mark. Take lames, maybe. A decade ago, man. That must have been right yeah. back at the start. That was an, that was a, that was an old one there, so... That is an old one, but it's crazy, though, to think that this weekend coming up that Ricky Burns is fighting Willie Lemon. <laughs> oh, I know. You're going to be watching it, Matty. <laughs> is there a way to watch it? <laughs> Do you have to be at the arena? <laughs> oh, well, you might have to. BBC Scotland, somebody was saying. Oh, I thought we had another one, but I can't find it as well. Some one, one of them from Australia. Let me see if I can find it now. We had an Australian or a New Zealand one coming in. Uh, Andy will like this one. I don't think it's referring. Here we are. Here we are. So five stars from Zemus Q Pontal Jr. from Australia. He says, yeah, the Scottish fellow needs to come out the closet. He seems to be overcompensating. Is that me or Tommy? Is Tommy <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. There Five years ago. Oh, so, uh, yeah, still up in the air. Still up in the air. Yeah, um, I'll try and pull some more out if I can. Remember, nothing less than five stars is acceptable. If you want well, to leave a fun comment, do so. Do so, Matty, do so. Well, Andy, in your defense, I will say that only one of you has been t- spending time in Southeast Asia. <laughs> <laughs> less said about that. The better, I think. Let's move on to the action for next weekend. Before we go on to Belly of the Week, hopefully Rapper Rob Kelly will reappear at some point. Uh, Matty mentioned it there, Andy. You might as well touch upon it as briefly as we possibly can. Next Friday evening in the Brayhead Arena, Scotland, Willie Limond against Ricky Burns, party like it's 2006. These two boys are going in against each other. What's, what's the what's the word here, Andy? Why on earth are they doing this, do you know? Uh, I don't know, mate. I mean... Are you going? I actually swithered about it. I was thinking about it about two weeks ago. I'm like, Nah, I'm not bothered okay, because okay. the Brayhead Arena is a nightmare to get to. You, there's there's no public transport to it that I can recall. I can't get a train to it, so I can't have a beer, so I need to drive, and I can't be asked to go through. Glasgow's the worst place. It's, the situation for for me is just a nightmare. Eh? Yeah, I wouldn't be watching so, that fight sober either. I don't know. I, I don't even know if anybody's picked it up for TV or YouTube or whatever. But I don't know, mate. I mean, what, what do you say? I mean, when, when was Ricky's last fight? Pulled it up here than now, 2021. He's just... like 45 years old. I'd be more curious when his last fight was. Willie Lemon fought last year, uh, last May. Oh, Jesus. And then it was three years before that against that William Warburton, who was always like your classic six, mm. eight round gentleman who would always take you rounds. But, um... Do you remember Willie Lemon, Andy? The first time I became aware of him was when he fought Alex Arthur. Do you remember? They were both on yeah. and big Scottish clash. Willie Lemon's manager put like 10 grand on him winning the fight. I think it went into about eight, eight rounds. Lemon did okay, but Alex Arthur was the star. He was the oh, man yeah. on the way up and he ended up stopping. And that was a good. So, a Friday fight night on Sky, that was. Yeah, Arthur was the British champion, I'm sure, at that right. time. And he obviously, he come back, he beat was it Kevin O'Hara, I think it was, and that as well. He got the Celtic title. From I'm sure it was. Right. And then he gave he gave Amir Khan, I mean, a nightmare, actually. At one point, he dropped Khan. And then Khan got up, I remember him taking a knee again. And I was like, oof, I was a bit dodgy. And then they hadn't cut to a break a couple of rounds later. And then the fight was off. And then apparently Khan had burst his eardrum, apparently. You know, Khan had burst with Lemon's eardrum. Mm-hmm. But he... Uh, 
one one way or another. I don't know how it happened, but anyway, for the next few years, he's he's fighting on Paisley Leisure Centres, the Thistle Hotel, fighting, you know, journeymen and domestic fighters, and then he gets a call to go and fight Eric Morales in Mexico, all places, and that, actually. That's right, he did Eric Miller. <laughs> you know, it was fighting, fighting at altitude, lasted six rounds, I think he got done in a body shot, I think it was, but anyway, Morales was so impressed by how Lemon challenged the fight, yeah, actually, Morales actually brought him back in for sparring. I think it was for one of the Maidana fights, possibly. Didn't Willie Lemon yeah. fight Bichelt at some point? Or did I imagine He fought that? Crawler. I was at the Crawler fight when he was British mm. champion, actually. He got beat off Crawler. Or no, it was Crawler the champion, I'm sure, the British champion. Anyway, that was in Motherwell, uh, I'm sure. That and he, he'd come back and he beat Curtis Woodhouse for the British title. It was a very, very close fight in the Commonwealth title and that as well. So, uh, Willie's always been like running a bit of the... Domestic level fighter, and that um, I think he even got the WBO or WBU belt or what it was back in the day. But um, he was a decent enough domestic fighter. Ricky, but well, no, we've discussed Ricky in the past, and that. But um, mm. I just think it's two guys, mate, who've decided to make a bit, a bit of money together. Just they've come together, they've said, Look, you fancy, I don't know what it is, a 10, 12 rounder. I mean, it's one stars, I think, on, on box, right? So I think we know what we're <laughs> going to be getting, to be fair, and that. You They're know, not completely I, gone, though, are they? That you're kind of worried about them. I don't, I don't think I haven't seen them recently, to be honest. I, well, I've not seen Lemon for donks, to be fair, mate. I forget what age he is. I mean, he must be late 30s, early 40s mm. now. I think he's, he's They're prime not massive years. punches, are they, the two of them? No, definitely not. So, and Ricky's not hasn't really taken a, a lot of punishment. And both the guys are roughly around about the, the, the same weight in terms of size. Not Lemon was a career super featherweight, lightweight. Ricky's been the same. So, um, I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be a great fight. I think it'll be like one of these twelve round decision type fights. In fact, it's twelve rounds. <laughs> which probably Ricky wins, possibly, I would think. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm based not on absolute nothing because <laughs> the guys have got no skin in the game anymore, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they don't need to be doing this at this point. I mean, Ricky's again, depending on how much money they're getting for it at the end of the day. I mean, I, I looked at the, the tickets for it as I said, I was I was thinking about going. I looked at the ringside, all the ringside tickets are just about gone. So uh, Brayhead holds about it's about five and a half, six thousand possibly, with the floor because it's a nice hockey arena. Eh? So, um, yeah. So if, if if they sell that, they've, they've done pretty well. To be fair, Kaiser Kobe says winner fights Terry Flanagan. Yeah, it wasn't Bichelt against uh, uh, Lemond. It was George Jop. Andy, go ahead. Interesting to bring up Terry Flanagan there, Kaiser Kobe, because I've seen John Evans tweeted out a picture there. Man City won the day apparently against against Burnley. Mm-hmm. I think Haaland scored one of the goals. Guess who the fan was that jumped on uh, Haaland's back? Turbo Flanagan. Really? It was. No way. I swear to God, it was Terry Flanagan jumping with Haaland's back celebrating that goal. I wouldn't want to be a security guard trying to pull him off. You said we still have to say the same thing. Flip me, no I didn't know that. That's crazy. Terry Turbo shouting, jumping at the back of Haaland, man, ready to fucking mount him. I uh, Cedric Sniff agrees. No way, didn't know that. Uh, Matty, I I don't know anything about the financial situations of Ricky Burns and Willie Limond, but I say these are two guys and I who do. Make- who are maybe struggling to let it go. They want to keep themselves motivated in shape. It's an easy win for the two of them to sort of go out in Scotland in front of people, get the buzz back. It feels like that more that, like that kind of a fight than at all we're both desperate for cash kind of fight. Yeah, it just kind of seems one of those things like, hey, we'll, we'll just do it because we can. I mean, it's a welterweight. Neither one of them is going to have to bust their ass to make the weight, I don't think. Um, so, you know, I mean, if they're both got their faculties and, and I mean, they're not going at this with world title aspirations later on, um, you know, fair, go on. I'm not here to stop them from making money. 
Absolutely. I'm finding the uh, the Terry Flanagan here. It's all the WebP things, but I'm just seeing it now, Andy, this as well, man. He must Stick be absolutely up. steaming, isn't he? Stick it up here, mate. I mean... I'm, try- I'm trying to get a copy. I can't save any of them. Like, let me see if I can, I can get one here. It's fucking brilliant. It's, it's, oh. it's a close-up one. You're like, you're going to come out zoom in on you, but you're like, that's definitely t- Terry Flanagan, man. You can tell by the chin. Uh, it wasn't a bad fighter back in the day, Flanagan. Remember, he beat, he beat Matty's uh, pal, uh, Nate Campbell? Aye, he was, was, he was fighting, was he fought as the Pedro and he... Yeah, he hurt the arm, yeah. Dislocated his shoulder at the time, yeah. That was stupid. He fought Morris Hooker, didn't he, in the end, and lost the title to him? He was in the World Series of Boxing, the World Boxing Super Series, was he not? I don't know if he was, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. But he was on the pitch, there he is. He's steaming, isn't he? No way. That's a crazy guy. What, what the fuck happened that made him so angry? <laughs> well, he no, that. he jumped on the pitch. All right. People do that. You're, more, you're in more trouble in, in, the, in the world of soccer, Matty, when you win the match and people are happier than when they lose. That, that's Stuart <laughs> doesn't keep his guest in the way. Exactly, yeah. That, that's, that's Stuart doesn't know how close he was to getting iced. <laughs> Looks oh, like dear. he's packed on a few pounds. Yeah, I think he has. Shifted to Terry. Might be coming back soon. Done well for himself. Uh, where were we? Oh, yeah, we were talking about Willie Limond. We'll forget about that then. Shall yeah, where we? were we? We were in 2007. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It feels like it. I've got Lyndon Arthur and Chris Eubank Jr. Oh. for next week. But before we do that, we had a question from Andrew Neal. He said, um, now, hate is a very strong word. We're, we're lovers, not haters on the asylum. He says, which boxer have you hated the most, past or present? Uh, throw this out in the chat while the boys have a think. Which boxer have you hated, absolutely detested the most, either present boxer or in the past, throw, throw your names out in the chat while you're at it from Andrew Neil. Matty, I wouldn't say you were much of a hater, but has anyone really got your goat? Anyone piss you off? I was always super annoyed with how uh, Jesse Vargas kept getting opportunities in the right end of decisions when you couldn't figure for the life of you why anybody would protect or promote Jesse Vargas. And then he made a shit ton of money off of his DAZN deal too. It's He's just... Nobody got paid more off of fucking what they actually had to offer than Jesse Vargas. It was incredibly dumb. Jesse Vargas getting a shout out. The chat have responded to this one before we go to Andy. Mark Stanton says Connor Ben. I can't <laughs> quite think why. I'll tell you why. Says Mayweather. He wasn't a Floyd fan. And number one says Vlad. Albert Ross says Mitchell Smith. Johnny Horsecock Nelson says Anthony Fowler. What about you, Andy? Is it the obvious? <laughs> That's the obvious one as well, mate. But I've wanted to say for, for a good mention, Jamie Cox. Yes. Um, I forget what fight it was. It was, it was some sort of ballroom. Talk about low blows, man. Talk, oh, we yes, against Saki or Sai Sai or something. Uh, yeah. some, some African fighter. Uh, man, he must have landed with six low blows that night. I didn't see Frank Warren complaining about it that night. That mm-hmm. was one of Frank Warren's fighters. Good point. Um, Anthony Fowler. Uh, when when he when he got stopped when he got uh, beat off uh, Fitzgerald man that was one of the most satisfying nights man I'm telling you right now I was at that was that the night they threw the chair the stool at Spike's head and it just I'm missed not him. sure oh hey that was see if ever landed man you, your man was getting a tap rope there man right, in, right <laughs> he in just the flew past his like a frisbee at the last minute oh man it? <laughs> it was a ball here away for hitting him like <laughs> uh, Pastor well Bruno without question always thingies mate. I always had a, a kind of funny detest for Sugar Ray Leonard for some reason, mate. <laughs> um, it's just like all oh, these kind of pattern that it hasn't really kind of like when you when you like listen to him like years later. That I, I, I kind of say to myself, yeah, I was right not to like him the first time when I got that impression. You know, 
he was just so beige, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, him, who else? I, I didn't despise Ray. I just didn't like him. Um, what others did I despise, man? There was a heavyweight I didn't like as well. Who the fuck was it? AP says Jane Couch there. Andy, what are you thinking? Will you stand, says Bell You and Fat Paul of the Smith Brothers. Bell You getting a shout out. Steffi Bull, Paul Smith, Derek Chisora, AJ, Floyd, Froch, Fowler, Fat Paul Smith, Dave Allen, Mickey Ward says CHR. Okay. Yeah, I thought oh. that was a weird one too. Roger Field, White Rhino, Lawrence O'Coley says number one. <laughs> Isaac Chamberlain. <laughs> Isaac Chamberlain. Oh, dear. I agree, Andy, about Sugar Ray, says Arlene Burley. Aye, um, kind of like set, set the standard for likes of Mayweather and that to come in, that type of thing, you know, demand this, demand that. This is good enough if you can get it, mind you, but I mean, the way, the, the whole the whole haggler negotiation, man, just gets right up my navel, like, right up my navel, right up my nose, sorry. <laughs> navel in the mind tonight, man. <laughs> uh, right up my nose, man, so uh, aye. Um, Spencer Fearon getting a shout out there. How could you hate Spencer? He's a harmless character. Felix Verdejo. Felix Verdejo. Nikolai Valuev, says Albert Ross. John Fury. Oh, John Fury, yes. Right. I can I'm get on board with that one. He does made it. I'm a fighting man. Get me top off. Tell us how you die. Uh, Joe Burns. Uh, he doesn't hate anybody. He's throwing in Fiverr. Finally, Super Chat's coming. You sick now for doing a Bruno Fernandez and milking it. should have been KO'd. The gloit. says <laughs> Joe Burns. Raging. Oh, Raging. <laughs> Oh, for the cost of a cup of coffee, I, I know that he wanted to get <laughs> oh, that in. <laughs> I'll tell you who, who I, I kind of like came to hate, actually. David Hay. See, after he phoned that in in freaking Germany, man, I paid all that money to go there and watch it and get pissed. Get oh, that's right. You went the there pissing to rain, fucking for his toe. And he's pissing rain. And then they come back and say, oh, I hurt my toe. And I, I, you know, I got trod on and it was a walk to the ring and they put all this shit on. And oh, I'm like, fuck, dude. And then... What fight was it? I mean, it was like one of those trips, man, you were dreading because you kind of like got the impression he's going to pull out. And then obviously the Fury situation pulled out twice of that. And then he had the... You just knew as well when the whispers came out against the... Before one of the Bellew fights about his, about his Achilles or like it was, you think to yourself, yeah, it's true. And then you see them coming out, you're like, he's fucked. You know what I'm saying? So he took his off for a ride as well, David Hay. Um... Coogan Cassius getting a shout out there, Brona, uh, Steffi Ball. U6 as AP for gaslighting the world and making my bills go through the fucking roof. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> there, there can be shit houses. We love the likes of Lomachenko and Usyk and all that. There can be shit houses. You remember Lomachenko with Richard Comey that time when he was like calling over for him to get stopped yeah. and all? They've got yeah. an edge about them, which you have to have at this level, I suppose. Yeah, you got to, man. I mean, that, that was a big Duran fan who used to fucking punch folk in the bollocks, low blows, that type of thing. But the thing is, you know, it's the fact is, you know, you get away with it fine, but you got, you got the killer instinct. And if, you know, that's when Dubois did the other last thing, didn't have the killer instinct, does he? Didn't they, didn't they go for yeah. it? Yeah. Whereas if that was Duran, Duran would have been raw at him. Oh, Duran. Oh, over him. He'd have been on him before he even got up off the ground. <laughs> oh, fuck me. He spat on a tap here, man. They made sure. They made sure of it. Conor McGregor getting a shout there, hands of foam. Wrapping Rob Kelly's back with us. Rob, Andrew Neal says, which boxer have you hated the most, either past or present? Any hatred there? Yeah, I don't think I have a... I don't really think I hate any fighter, really. I didn't like Hal Zaggy, but that really fucking was more to do with, it, with that story about him in the paper where the missus said he was kissing his muscles in the mirror. I was like, <laughs> fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
and I felt like his fucking his his undefeated career was a bit overhyped, but that's another fucking story. But uh, I didn't hate him. Like I think he's a fucking great fighter. Just some fighters' personas rub you up the wrong way. But I don't fucking know any of them. Like I mean, I used to think Frotch was a bit of a prick, but then when you realize like that he's fucking in on the joke, it's um, I don't know. I don't really hate fighters. Like saying that now, I'm going to think of one that I absolutely fucking can't stand, and it'll come to me in a minute. <laughs> Bruno, Maidana. <laughs> No, like, see, I, see, in the moment you get caught up with it, like, in the end, AB's kind of like come full circle. Like, and he's he, um, I actually had one for the value. I don't know if I made it to last week's one, but I'd save it for. Are we in value of the week, Hurt, or you know? No, oh, no, we, yeah, no, we yeah, yeah. I've got a good one for Broner where he absolutely played a blinder, but um, yeah, no, I don't really fucking don't really hate, hate, hate too many fighters, like, to be honest with you. Hate is such a strong word. Kaiser Kobe your says, fucking hippie bullshit elsewhere. Despite my massive respect, I will never be a Canelo fan. Co-presenters there, on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's more like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Can- Canelo getting slammed there. Nazim Hamid says number one. Not a fighter, but Angel Garcia, says Cedric Sniff. Yep. Suppose oh, so. Danny oh. Garcia was one by the way. I remember he came out with a comment saying, he says, I'm, I want to be remembered as one of the old school fighters. Fuck me, man. I hate his dad more than I hate Danny. Talking about dad's uh, Lopez Sr. What an absolute... What an absolute ninja man that is, by the way. I'd like to dedicate this portion of the podcast to Adam. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> Naz was a proper helmet, says Snoop Bob. He's not a fan. Don't hate anybody, mate. Says, uh, remember the time he shouted with that Colin Hart? I don't oh, like you, has... Colin. I don't like you. Yeah. If you, uh... you just see Hart just sitting there smiling and just laughing away, and that. is that right? Is that right, Naz? <laughs> you just got to me. Hasn't Victor Ortiz given us some moments where we could certainly hate him? Yeah. Yeah. He quit on that fight against Maidana, remember? Yeah, well, yeah. then he, yeah, he was like... Prowls up, prowls up and doing Highway 66 to his lorry. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? The middleweight, the German middleweight. Was it Brandt? Rob Brandt? Yeah, I had a fucking beef with him for some reason. His style, I fucking hated watching him. Every time his American fucking stupid well. name was brought... Was it American, yeah? Yeah. Um, I think it was, uh, and then there was there was a guy yeah, around the middleweight division as well. Who was the fucking Australian guy who got the shot against Golovkin? Daniel uh, Gale, Daniel was Gale. it? Yeah. Not in the game. Just annoyed me that he was floating around fucking world title fights. Not in, for no reason. Like, I just... I was to fucking hate Daniel Gale for a while. <laughs> really, the type of guy who... Yeah. was a great the type of guy... Tip a guy who would take punches and then start doing the head movement after he took the shots. <laughs> like Scott Cardle. <laughs> Duck left, right, Bob, weave. He's, he's trying to snake charm me by saying, I never took these shots. Look, see, I moved my head. <laughs> oh, Canelo done my head in against Bivol doing that. Every time he got punched, he like done the turn back as if he uh, had avoided him. <laughs> Cheating bastard. Yeah, maybe Canelo for me. No, I don't hate him. Trying to buy their own, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sneaky Good. bastards. Good he stuff. Did. Yeah, yeah, music's a bad guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That seemed to get everybody riled up. Uh, right. This is honestly, I mean, it's kind of uh, like kind of a metaphor for the way that people are training the Ukrainians right now. See the guy get punched in the dick right in front of their face and somehow he's not the victim. It's a fucked up world. Uh, oh, that guy in the green jumper, I'd love to punch him who turns up. Anyway, right, we're not getting into that. Oh, Tom, <laughs> the green jumper, man, did you see that? Did you see that hang up pop earlier on there? Oh, yeah, it was that <clears throat> from <clears throat> Puerto Rico, excuse me. Aye, you need to get that up, Steve. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got it up all right, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Can you send it to me again? <laughs> I might have deleted it. Send it to him again, he's going to get it up again. 
Have you got your phone there? Uh, yes, I do, yes. Uh, give me a second. All right, that'll do. Uh, oh, the bit of poison Ivy, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anthony, but no, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I didn't hate Mundine. I didn't hate Mundine. You mean Sven yeah. Adkins, bitch? Yeah, exactly. For me, that was a carry-on, wasn't it? One of six, <laughs> baby. One of six. Absolutely. That's right. Banged out cold by the Iceman. Um, right, what was, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Friday night. Next Friday night in the Bolton White's Hotel. Lyndon Arthur's going in against Brian Nahual Suarez for the vacant IBO World Light Heavyweight title. I'm not even going to bother talking about that. I'll watch it, though, next weekend. If you have a um, choice between watching that or Ricky Burns against Willie Lemon. I think I'll watch that, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'll set a fucking... Over, no, it's over, happening, for... Rob. What? It's happening. Yeah, next I, Friday I night. Fuck I off again. Yeah. Are they boxing an exhibition or something, or is it? No, 12 rounds, no. Rob. Someone's eye has got to go, Rob. Okay, that's all I'm saying. It's like going back for years, man. It's like a blast of the past. Like, geez, I haven't, I haven't heard of Willie Lemon since fucking. Uh, Lemon. <laughs> yeah, since he dropped yeah. Amir Khan. That's fucking 15 years ago or something, isn't it? Yeah, there's no purse on the line. They're playing uh, for each other's uh, pudding for the next month from uh, the meal delivery service for the seniors. <laughs> Ricky, go to, try and make that, go to try and make that bag back that Uncle Frank took allegedly. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky Barnes looking for that rematch with Terence Crawford on finished business. You know what I mean? Aye. Uh, no unfinished business here. The main man himself has jumped on the call. Damon Khan, aka Take Aims, taking aim at the fight last night. Are you still in Poland, Ames? Uh, what what fight is this? Oh, come <laughs> on, man, come on. Adam Hamed on the undercard. Have you guys spoke about the uh, low blow yet? What low blow? <laughs> Kosobutski? <laughs> yeah, no, I am. I am still in Poland, Steve. What did you see from your back? <laughs> you know, I was. Uh, we were right by like a real cramped uh, ringside. Uh, it was very crazy kind of atmosphere, r- dripping down with rain. Lots of heat in the the stadium too. So it was like thunder and li- well, lightning going on as well, like a smoke kind of descending, like thriller over the the actual ring at the time but in terms of the actual controversy i originally saw it as a legal punch and then the replay was played in the stadium and i saw the replay as a legal punch too um it wasn't until i spoke to usik earlier today and he played uh, me a different angle that i'd not seen Mm-hmm. And that that punch was clear as day low. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm sort of like two hours sleep uh, deprived uh, of any real energy or understanding. But like I've seen two kind of sides. But, but the last kind of side I saw looked like a real kind of conclusive low blow. I don't know how you guys have chopped it up on on here, but it real it did look a uh, low. Uh, coupled with what the rules seem to be, it does seem to be a, a low blow. You know, Ames, for me, I, I think the issue, I, I wouldn't be looking at the shot itself. It was 50-50, depending on your vantage point, how a referee might call that one. So, you know, just lean towards Pabone on that. But the fact he was insisting that Usyk made more time, he was leaning on extending uh, that uh, that break in the action. That would be where I'm saying, hey, if there's some sort of a tilt, um, that is where I'm looking, not at the shot itself. If, if I'm in Dubois' camp, that would be my complaint. Well, um, uh, there were some rumours, I don't know how true this is, but I believe maybe 
it, it was said that amongst the media that someone had asked Lewis what he'd seen, and he said he'd he'd even seen the replays, and he was convinced after he saw the replay that he made the right call. Um, so the replays that... post fight, like watching it on the TV. I believe so, yeah. Right. Mark Stanton said, did you six show you his bruised cock? That's a bit low. That, that, that is a low blow for Mark Stanton there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. When you're, when you're in the presence of Alexander himself, I suppose you're not gonna really going to put it on him. But, I mean, what about the fight itself? What about Dwarf's performance? Should he have jumped on him in that fifth round and really let the, the, the shots go? Absolutely. Like I think that's kind of a given with how at least kind of the rhetoric is about beating Alexander Rusik, especially with Chisora's performance from a British perspective of, of having, you know, had the the best or the most perceived success against, uh, against him at the heavyweight division. It, it does seem like a real missed opportunity speaking to some of the Dubois team that that moment kind of really kind of been and gone and passed them by. And, you know, maybe the length of the, you know, that, that break in time kind of did break Dubois kind of, I don't know. Momentum almost. Momentum, yeah. Momentum is the right word, Steve, yeah. Uh, you, it felt like, I mean, Dubois never really put it on him throughout the fight, really. And in terms of Dubois' performance, look, I, I thought for someone who's, you know, we, we don't really look, look at Dubois as boxing fans as, as someone who might be a big player in a few years because of some of the the performances had you know against Joyce and Lorena but I I thought in part say he showed some real kind of uh, different elements to his game that I was quite impressed with just slipping some jabs a bit more of a head movement a bit more of a, like I said I, I think Dubois shot selection is pretty good and I thought he did he did do better than I'd expected in in, in little moments in the fight um, hopefully he can come again hopefully he doesn't you know, a, a bad defeat was was a real problem. I think, given how his fight with Joyce ended, um, I've not I've not fully seen the actual ending of the fight again. I know a lot of people are saying he jacked it again, which I've re- re- I've said before. Like I can't really point the finger and say to a fighter like I think you quit. That's just not in me to kind of say that. But um, you know, I've seen a lot of people saying that. I don't know if Andy's kind of Andy's more the more of that person to kind of re- really kind of be brutal mente about it. But um, I guess no. he drinks alcohol. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm completely sober, and I say that I didn't say it. I says the the whole this whole debacle about the low blow is detracted from the fact that he got knocked out in a jab, got counted out on his knees. That's the truth. That's what happened. Everybody saw it, and it's the, the, the this whole low blow situation is just just distracting for that fact because if it wasn't for that we'd all but everybody would be saying it that he quit I don't know if this is a bit of misinformation but I don't know if you guys have read this as well it's the case that look if ifs and buts for sure but hypothetically had that fight taken place in the UK it would have been a legitimate lockdown we would be potentially looking at like a, a new unified heavyweight champion right well, supposing, as we were talking about earlier, that he would have gone up, Usyk wouldn't have got up and it would have followed the course that he would have been counted out under British Boxing Border Control rules. So right, he yeah. Also, he could have also got up as well. You know, you just don't know if, if Usyk would have got up if the count started and then once he got up and action was called to start, he took a knee again. Mm. I just don't know how Usyk would have responded because, as I say, how did he finish that fifth round? He was getting his win back and he was coming back into it. 
then well, obviously the, just totally changed. If Dubois had had really had gone for it, and and there might be more public outcry to try to pursue a rematch. If if he had fought harder to get up, there might be more public outcry for a rematch. I I, I think that that shot was just fifty fifty, uh, you know, enough that that if if he had made a better fight of it down the stretch, that the people would definitely be be trying to get him another shot at it. Ames, uh, what was the overriding feeling amongst sort of Dubois' wider team? Was Frank Warren running around like a radish shouting robbery? Were they uh, more sort of <laughs> philosophical about it? Were they they maybe saying Dubois could have put the heat on a bit more? Where was the, the kind of feelings lying at the end of it? A radish. <laughs> yeah, so basically his face is like raging, like bursting red, basically. You, you remember Barry from Abwidis and Pitt? He was a radish. Me on those old BNTV streams <laughs> whenever Mrs. Wayne put the heating on. Wait, wait. Steve says a radish, and then Andy says Barry from who from where? Do <laughs> you never watch Abwidis and Pitt as a kid, no? Oh, he's <laughs> years younger than us, Anders. It's so fucking esoteric for me. It's unbelievable. <laughs> what, what are they talking about here? Yeah, anyway, I'm with you. Pet. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Matty, on the, on this one. Even though you've you've got right, your own Matty Zingers in the past. Yeah, yeah. Check YouTube. Go uh, just uh, Google Barry the Radish. Right, comedy yeah, com- comedy about comedy about Geordies with a fucking German title and Matty's fucking last man set in the UK. You <laughs> no fucking chance. For. Especially Geordies, man. You like my cooking lad. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Do you remember that one time with the black stuff? Go ahead, Do you remember that one the one time when Matty kind of started singing like a, a, a really obscure American debt advert? Hey, you're taking us down a wild path here. Come on, get to the point, man. My, my apologies. My He's apologies. Two hours of sleep. You might drift here and there, you know. It, it, that's right, that's right. No, I just yeah, you, you you pretty much called it. Frank Warren was obviously Putting out to whoever whoever he could speak to that this was a, a robbery and it was it was clearly a, a legit, legitimate punch. Having What's seen whatever angle, What's a little he, contest? seen um, the the, the Dubois, Dubois team like Don was inconsolable. So when and we and second out, I've got like a real good relationship with Don. I've been able to like kind of get to know Don a little bit more, and he's been really open and accommodating. Steve, you probably know Don longer than I have, so. You, you know that he's very much a, a real gent. Everyone kind of describes him as a gent and just at the end of this fight, like, Don, Don, Don never like threw any, you know, any fits or anything like that, but he just said, look, I'm distraught. I don't want to speak. I don't want to, um, you know, talk about this sort of thing. He needed that time to kind of digest everything. And when Don went over to the press conference, Daniel kind of then, and the rest of the team just left because that, of course, Daniel doesn't, uh, speak to speak much of the best of times um, outside of just his obligated commitments. But yeah, look, I think some of the team kind of like, I think all the team were kind of disappointed. Uh, some of the team kind of understood as well, like there was that missed opportunity to really kind of press on the gas, regardless if, if it was a lower blow or not. Usyk was visibly hurt by something. I know some people were kind of saying that he milked it and things like that, but I don't, I don't believe that at all. But the guy was hurt by a low blow or not, and there was maybe might have been an opportunity on another night with, with a bit more experience uh, that Dubois could have um, could have seized upon something. And what about what's next? I know you were talking to Yusik and his team. Obviously, Hergovic, I think he was supposed to be at ringside, whether he turned up or not. Uh, I'm not sure. The Fury sort of ghost hangs over the whole situation. Did you get anything out of Yusik? Yeah, that's right. Hergovic was supposed to be 
uh, ringside. I didn't see Hergovic ringside in the fight week, or uh, he didn't see him ringside or in the fight week at all. Yeah, look, uh, there's only one fight that should be next. It should be Tyson Fury. We've seen the back and forth from from them emanating for a while. I remember seeing the divide only being a, a, a set of boxing ropes when Tyson Fury fought at Wembley and he called on the challenge of Alexander Usyk. That fight should be next, should be happening. Am I confident? No. I don't think any boxing fan is confident that that fight does happen, but Usyk seems to want it. I don't. Both fighters seem to want it, but I don't know. They just don't seem to be able to get over the line contractually, which is real saying that's probably because they're looking to maximise the, the profits as much as possible. Anything else you want to throw in, Ames, before we let you go? I know you're absolutely knackered. Did you say you, you're going for the flight, or where, where are you located at the moment? No, I'm at the hotel at the moment, playing my Nintendo Switch, talking to you guys, searching up Alphawida's own pet, um, and looking at uh, Barry the Radish. <laughs> I'm flying out tomorrow. <laughs> Ch- chill out, ladies of Warsaw. Mind yourselves out there. <laughs> Warsaw? Lady, <laughs> ladies of Warsaw? <laughs> ladies of Warsaw? <laughs> Warsaw? You ever been to Warsaw, Ames? Warsaw. No. Come on, man. Wolverhampton, Warsaw, it's not the same thing. No, I'm flying back home uh, in the morning tomorrow, so I just thought I'd uh, chime in. No, Shout brilliant stuff. Irish yeah. striker David Kelly. He played for them, didn't he, Warsaw? Yeah, absolutely. And he played for Wolves as well, Rob. You might he remember. Did. Yeah, he did. Um, sh- shout out to you, Ames, as well, for coming on. It's, it's always good to have you here. A safe journey back home. And are you going to do a stream uh, tomorrow evening, or are you going to give it a miss? Possibly, yeah. I mean, this this appearance and any potu- uh, potential future appearances are dedicated to the memory of Steve's goat. <laughs> Thanks very much. Steve is the goat, as Ames once said. Good to have you on, as always, sir. Take care, OK? We'll speak to you soon. See you. Bye-bye. Bye, Ames. See you, Ames. There. Good lad he is. There's our feed his own pet. <laughs> Jimmy Nail was... at the back there. Jimmy Nail as well, yeah. Bomber. Big, Wayne, big bomber. Front, wasn't it, yeah? And Barry, Barry, Neville. There's Barry the Radish here on the bottom left hand corner. There, what, was the, what was the scouser called? Mo- yeah, Moxie, Moxie, wasn't he? Moxie. Moxie, Wayne the Shagger there on the bottom right hand corner. <laughs> a big, bomber, big bomber at the back there. See, Big Oz, man. I, I, I could not, I, honestly, see, some of the scenes he was in, man, was absolutely amazing. Just like waking up in, in like a fucking bin bag with fucking beer cans <laughs> on about him, but he's just stretching out in the morning. I scratched his balls. I'm like, what a guy, man. Just think of a fuck. <laughs> oh, good stuff. That's a good one. Uh, shout out to Captain Casual. That's Damo, friend of the pod. He is a member of the Patreon as well, as well over at patreon.com forward slash boxing aside. Let me throw in a tenner. He says, boys, here a pound for virtually every hour since the fight we spent on the Boxing Nutters Messenger group debating whether it was a low blow or not. As I said last night, it puts farmers' daily struggles in perspective. <laughs> see, see, what I, see what I get with this, where I am with this uh, low blow thing. Mm. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. The fight went on. If the ref makes a mistake during the fight, you can't wind it back. You can watch, what's, like, are we supposed to freeze the fight and allow Daniel to board a moment of victory? It didn't happen. It's like if a fucking ref makes a decision in a soccer match or whatever before pre-VAR, the game fucking rolls on. It is It is what it is. It's like Remember, the Tyson Long counted against Douglas. Was it long? Maybe. Yeah, but but another fucking two rounds where Buster Douglas punched the fucking head off him and knocked him out. So that's what happened with, once the, the action restarted. Usyk just took complete control over the fight. If he old manned him, if he was wily character, if he sold it to the ref, Dubois still has... Like it is all it's all deflection from Dubois' performance and trying to keep him in the market as a fighter because if that incident hadn't happened, you would have seen him get beat up for nine rounds and then get stopped 
when the heat got turned up on him and looked to quit. Like I, I, I hate saying that about guys that are looking to quit, but we have to say what we see as well and talk about a brutal sport. It is a brutal sport, and it looks like from not just one fight now, from a couple of fights that Dubois doesn't have it when it gets rocky to stay in it. It might be extremely harsh, but I don't think so. See the other thing I was going to mention actually. See me talk about like people losing their minds over decision, like oh referees fucked it up. Remember when when Fury got, got dropped all wild and everybody was well those were who were well with their fans were shouting it was doing for longer than ten seconds. It's no ten seconds. It's a fucking ten count. You know the referee is a, he administers it at his discretion. For example, if the referee starts counting and he's up to five and Wells is hanging over the top of him, he's got to stop the count and go tell him get back to neutral corner. For example, then he picks up a count again at five, six. It's not a ten. It's not a ten seconds. It's a ten count. People just want to grasp in that. And then, as I say, in the cold light heart of day, once you check things over again, and that I think a lot of people should come to the decision that it was a low blow. We go Andy, the voice of reason, episode five three seven. Rob's here, Matty's here. Take Ames has disappeared off somewhere. We wish him well. Doesn't doesn't sound like he's going to be getting into much trouble on the streets of Poland tonight. Anyway, playing Legend of Zelda. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's get on to the action for next weekend uh, in the Manchester Arena. No, I'm not going to do that joke. <laughs> Florian Marcus, <laughs> Florian Marcus on the undercard against Dylan Moran, eighteen and one. He has one of the most padded records I've ever seen. Good luck to Dylan. In that one, Fraser Clark's going in against Dave Allen. Uh, Frankie Stringer, never heard of him. Michaela Mayer's on the card as well. Adam Azim against Aram Fanian. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lauren Price. Uh-huh. Mark, Mark Heffron. Uh, Canelo's ducking him. He's having to fight Jack Cullen for the British Super Middleweight title as well on the undercard. It's all about the main event, though. Liam Smith going back in against Chris Eubank Jr. Andy, the last time we saw these two fighting against each other, Eubank Jr., Suddenly got knocked out in round four, was it? Got four, banged out, and it was a bit of an upset at the time. They're going back again. It's on pay-per-view, according to the advertisements this weekend, that I saw oh. on Sky. Aye, and it's a shite undercard as well, mate, to be fair, eh? Pay-per-view for that. Mm. Yeah, no great. As you say, probably all about the one fight, and even that, mate, it's not really kind of bringing up any, you know, any pulses, for example. It's, uh, it's a money grab, so fair play to both guys, you know, they're getting paid the game. Um, I'm not too sure how it will go. I don't know if it will go longer this time. Um, I'm not going to say like Eubank was, for example, saying like he was a lucky punch or something. Like he got caught way, or he was getting he was out boxing Smith until he got caught. It was a, it was a clean clean ending, put it that way. And um, if Smith does catch him again, he has got that that that, that nasty side to him, uh, beefy Smith. So if he gets a chance, he will take Eubank out of there. Um, I would not be surprised. What's, what's the weight? I just out of curiosity. Is it a middleweight? I um, I do believe so. Is it uh, again? We just need to see how you buy. Yes, yes, middleweight. Yeah. Is it the over under? Andy is ten and a half rounds in that, and with the with you're getting better than even money taking the under. Yeah, is that betting advice, Mate? I'm just announcing the facts there. That's interesting. The first one ended in the first half of the fight, and they're, they're saying this is a distance fight, fight mm. most likely. That's interesting. So they're going with the fact, as Eubank said then, that it was a, a lucky punch, quote-unquote, and that was a bit of an outlier of a decision. He'd also, he'd also, had, that, he also had that. You know, he took the fight as well no long after the, the, the Ben camp. So mm. has he cooked right. it in? Yes, he, coming back he, down in weight, exactly, yes. Has he cooked the weight, possibly? I don't, I don't know. So he's obviously he's put a bit of weight back on and brought it back down again for the fight. Uh, again, we just need to wait and see how he looks uh, at the weigh-in. But again, there's there's a couple of there's just a couple of issues here. We just need to wait and see how it looks. A, how does he look at the weight? 
I suspect it'll go a wee bit, it'll go a few more rounds. I expect Eubank to be a bit more cagey. Um, Smith will just be, he'll be confident based off what happened with the last fight. He knows he can knock him out. Um, so it's just about just getting his moment if he can get it again. But yeah, I'd probably look at Matty's bet as well. I, I'd be expecting it to go longer this time. Um, what do you think in prediction wise, Andy? And same for you in the chat. Get your predictions in, guys. I'm I'm picking I'm picking Beefy Smith to win. I'm I'm not too sure yet on the stoppage or points. I think you know points. points I mm. possibly will say points as well. Uh, Des says same as the first one. No version of Eubank Junior has ever been better than any version of Smith. Good observation. Smith beats him. What odds is a draw, Matty? Says Ray. Oh, but they're like twenty to one or something. Any draw advice there, Matty? Draws fourteen to one, Steve. Fourteen to one, right? Okay. Mark Stanton says which, Smith Which points. is a bit on the low end. A bit on the low end. Mm. Rob, Rob Wood said Smith again, in my opinion. Now, at the risk, Matty, of upsetting the reviewers and being a hater, I just can't get up for this fight. It's just me. I'm not telling anybody else or trying to inflict my views on, on any of the listeners. If you're excited for this, then good luck. You're a the hater. That's great. Honestly, I, I just don't give a shit about this fight. I'm going to watch it, obviously. Mate, but there's, there's just it. like Steve, there's just like nothing else going on this weekend, so <laughs> I guess we're just gonna have to watch this. So I'm 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 all in for this fucking rematch, buddy. Gonna be on, uh, I think it's gonna be on ESPN Plus. Thank God, I'll have something to watch, and we'll have something to discuss next week. Uh, otherwise, it's gonna be some slim pickings. It actually is, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, you know, I I, I think. <laughs> I, I, I think the uh, it is interesting that they're thinking this is going to go that many more rounds uh, than the than the first one. Uh, it, it seems a little bit crazy. Um, I, I guess they feel comfortable with Eubank at the weight. What I'd be looking at that's weird is Eubank uh, dumped Roy Jones Jr. Uh, for this fight. I, I can't remember who, who he, he picked up for uh, for his trainer, but it's just another tumultuous camp for him oh, with a change in trainers, and he's been going over and over this throughout his career um and and i just think if you're looking at it just uh, who has probably steadier legs going into the fight it's it's just got to be it's just got to be smith so i'm i'm going with smith all the way i i think he i don't think he stops him in the first half but i think just coming over the uh, the midway point he'll he'll start wearing him down and find the right shot yeah what's that Bo Max, he's trying. Two bank. I know. <laughs> no, he oh, to do yeah, better choice than what? Derek James, but, but he didn't need to. He didn't need to fill up Andy after losing all that weight to try and fight Ben. So I suppose. I mean, he's got a better nutritionist. Well, that's Bo how Max. it's going to be easier to make the weight. Is Bo Max going to be sitting there like taking food that's like sitting there, and you'll be like, "Hey, where'd my French fries go?" Like, I don't know, man. I don't know where French fries <laughs> Bo Mac is ideal for the fucking body bag, by the way. I'm telling you, like, you know, in terms of like bag work, you know. He's going to be in a body bag if he's not exactly. fucking careful. Anyway, check out the Bo Mac, friend of the I wonder will, I wonder will you back try and do a poor man's Terence Crawford uh, impersonation like he did a poor man's Roy Jones impersonation. Because <laughs> this would be interesting to see, won't it? Like, um, no, it won't. What am I talking about? It won't be interesting to see at all. I'm with you, Steve. I couldn't give a flying fuck. Like, I've seen this once. Why the fuck do I need to see this one again? I feel like, like a hater, Rob. Join me, man. No, you, but like, you, you know, fucking two-time IBO world titleist who's kind of, you know, everyone's saying, I actually got to, um, I was going to say, like, you know, take it easy on fucking Nazi Muhammad's kid and all that. Like, you know, these guys are fucking turning over and the kind of sons and juniors and all do get a lot of extra hate, but Eubank fucking, he was the perpetuator of all this, wasn't he going around with his fucking IBO titles, he's been fucking just, he's never done anything like, in the sport, 
to vindicate his fucking position. Well, that was good. Yeah, but there was there was something wrong that night because I was on holidays that night and it was me and a whole load of Rangers fans in the band in a bar watching it together having a right crack. So there was something fucking spooky that night going on anyway. <laughs> something was in the air. <laughs> There's something in the air that night. Feel it coming in the air tonight, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But no, I just I don't can't get up for this fight at all. I don't want to watch an interview about it. I don't care what the two of them are fucking saying about each other. Where the fuck? Like it's not a title fight. It's just. <sighs> It's a boxer show, isn't it? Like, shout out Ben Shalom. It was a great lad. But, uh, yeah, not for me. Everybody's going for Liam Smith, Andy. Now, we did hear from a little birdie who shall remain nameless that Smith wasn't maybe putting it all in in the old training camp. Yeah. We don't know whether that's legitimate or not. We could, we could, we can't really take those rumours as anything other than a pinch of salt, I think. I'm going to Smith. Yeah, possibly, because after after uh, supported, he, he, Smith reappeared on the scene like literally like a few days later, so yeah. I don't know what, what's happened there. I don't know if it's been some personal issues that need to be ironed out that he's had to go away and sort it out, but who knows, mate. But as I say, he's going to be confident. Hopefully that confidence isn't leading any bit of arrogance and he's taking an eye off the ball a wee bit, possibly, but um, just need to wait and see. As I say, there's, there's a couple of narratives in this fight that just needs to iron out a wee bit. Like, again, the way motivation. What's in it for both guys? I mean, again, there's no belt. It's, it's all about the cash. I don't think anybody's really born about who wins a fight, to be fair. And as Rob says, who gives a flying fuck? <laughs> you know? One of them. Well, of course we're going to watch it, but it's just one of the ones, man. We've, we've seen it before and very seldom do you get a rematch. It's, I mean, there's always been question marks about Eubank's relative boxing IQ compared to Smith. I mean, Smith's a, a, a well-rounded fighter. Um, so, I just think it's levels at the end of the day, to be fair. Des says, jumping from one niche trainer to another, it doesn't work. Kaiser Cobra says, absolutely team stream. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we absolutely endorse that as well. I just I think- feel bad. I mean, and you got to think about this too, Steve, from a financial portion. For Bomac to head over that direction, the, the Eubank team doesn't have to pay for just one airplane seat. <laughs> Fuck off, I knew where you were going to go. <laughs> <laughs> He's it's talking true. about Matt. He's had he's having to uh, hire a globe master to get him out there, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Just, now, now the exit row only has two seats, but they'd have to be able to help other passengers off in case of emergency. Mate, you would need to put him at, at, at the tailgate and drop him out the back before parachutes attached to him. <laughs> can, you, can you attach him to one parachute? Feels wrong doing this fat shame with that Aussie being with us. We're gonna have to move on here. I'm uh, doing my best. And now Rob, Rob's left us. We Rob's gone as well. Bob. Shalom <laughs> needs the cash for some fresh wank socks. Two uh, technique like. says, "Was it low?" I don't know whether he's talking about the Usyk low blow or Wellington's IQ. Or my joke. Uh, <laughs> or his joke. <laughs> um, Will you stand? Eighty six says, "Sad to say, but Shalom is a proper wish level Eddie. At least Eddie put a bit of effort into pumping us for our coins." <laughs> Kaiser Cobra says, "Absolute disgrace." And there's Rob back again, right? Uh, anything you want to add? Rob says, "Smith on points." We're all going Smith, aren't we, boys? Yeah, Matty, you going points yeah. as well? No knockout. What the fuck? Are you, oh, you going Smith knockout? Okay, early, late, over, under, in in between? Yeah, just yeah, probably just a little bit over the halfway point. Well, okay, there you are. Smith knockout, everyone else going points. Points, Andy? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll go points. Uh, Chukwu's in. It's 10.14. I'm in. Glad to have you in there, Chukwu. Glad to have you in. Uh, before we want to bell you the week, boys, anything else you want to throw in there? Anything I might have missed from the weekend? Anything coming up next week? Any talking points? Uh, Rob, Kika Martin has retired. Do you, want, do you want to have a word on that? Quickly? A bit premature, if you ask me. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fiat Arsenal as well at 52. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, Kiko is great value. Um, we, we saw a lot of them on this side of the pond uh, between Bernard Don and Frampton two fights and every other British guy that he fought for the last fucking three to four years. Um, and still knocking fellas Sparko up until fucking a year ago, a year or so ago. Um, all heart, all action, tough bastard. Probably should have retired fucking five or six years ago. Um, over, you know, a big achiever and probably the, the best Spanish boxer of all time. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, fair play to him. By virtue, may not be able to think of any others, Rob. Yeah, exactly. Sandro Martin is there. Have you passed Oh, yeah, that's a good show. Oh, yeah. Was he not so, yeah. born in Argentina? I'm not sure actually. No, he was Spanish, I'm sure. Was right? he right? Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, very entertaining fighter and fucking dynamite power. And seemed like a good lad as well. So good yeah. good good luck to him. Good luck to Kiko. Uh Lyndon Arthur, Andy, next Friday evening, you reckon the opponent might be live? Uh, I don't know about, about that, to be fair, mate. I just think uh, it'll be interesting how Arthur approaches it. And I know it's some sort of IBO title, I think it's on the line, but this this Suarez, I remember seeing him get knocked out of Albert Ramirez. Now, Albert Ramirez is, is a decent fighter, one of these South Americans. I think he's Venezuelan. Uh, good amateur, um, good power, good southpaw. And I think he, he, if he got a chance, he'd, be, he'd be probably come up as one of your favourite B-side fighters like Acarbio Campillo, but definitely got power. Anyway, that Ramirez knocked out this guy in one round, but it was up until then, the guy was bringing the heat. So it'll be interesting. Arthur's not a big puncher. He's got hand problems. Um, again, unless the guy's going to dial it in, and again, it's a title on the line of some sort. So you've got to hope he's got he's going to bring some sort of kind of fire to the fight. So um, I'm kind of hoping this guy might 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 bring bring it a wee bit and maybe make it a wee bit interesting, make Arthur fight, and uh, maybe kind of force him to kind of sit on his punches a wee bit as well. Just need to wait and see though. But um, I'm based not off a one round knockout though. Yeah, so <laughs> I could be totally wrong here. He might he might he might. You might fold again in like thirty seconds. Who knows, mate? But as I say, for the like the, the two minutes thirty that the fight lasted, mate, he was he was he was definitely trying to get himself in the fight. Like that Ramirez is just was just a different level to be fair. So, well, Friday nights on Channel Five do tend to throw up some decent fights, Andy. So on that basis, we can hope that he is going to come and give it a good go. Yeah, and that Antwi is usually quite strong as well, isn't he? He's a uh... Fighting Mason Cartwright on the on the is it Mason or Reese Cartwright? I think it's Mason Cartwright, it's Mason, former friend I, of the pod. Yeah, I think it's the British title on the line as well. So the yeah, it might be decent, decent accidental value possibly. Um, the accidental val- accidental value from Cali Solan there. Hopefully, let's get on to the value of the week then. You got a card in Brentwood with a prediction league uh, oh, no. uh, favorite Constantine Ursu. Taking on Jordan Dujan over ten rounds, uh, so we got that going on uh, there. And then also uh, from Denmark, gonna have a women's bantamweight unification with Dina Thorsland against Julian Luna Avila. Uh, so that uh, Thorsland points, lads. He's not just just bank it right now. Dina Thorsland on Sounds points. Sounds like a thriller. She's uh, a pretty solid, she's a pretty solid little boxer actually. So I, I ten I round decision. Believe, yeah, could be a, it could be an all right fight though. Avila comes to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, any chicks we dig coming up soon, Matty? No. Uh, potentially when uh, when Mr. Kennedy gets back from holiday. Is he is he still pretending he's on holiday? That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what he's doing. He's Head of the Head of the prediction league. Okay, he's then, boys. Take two. Let's get on to Belly of the Week, episode five three seven. Matty's here, Rob's here, Andy's here, and me, Steve, is here as well. 
Andy, you'll be pleased to hear yeah. that I was flicking through some old episodes of the pod uh, a few days ago, and I came upon the Bellew Cleverly 2 post-fight uh, podcast. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you'd, been, you'd been hitting the gold label, <laughs> as, as you admitted to. And uh, your views on pay-per-view may, maybe won't be shared by the Sky executives this weekend, but you had some interesting thoughts anyway on a possible trilogy. Thank God it didn't ever happen. Between oh, that was that was horrendous that night, man. <laughs> Cleverly, well here. One of the longest, <laughs> longest nights of your life, man. That was the worst undercard ever. Luckily, the podcast has disappeared off into the ether, into the abyss, until I dragged it out this weekend. So let's hear what went down. Well, just we're talking about rematches, right? Okay, you had after the fight, Cleverly calling out for a, a trilogy. Basically, he wants the, the the third fight or the rubber match in Wales. See That's if that fight is picked up. Right, by Sky. Okay, they pick it up. See, they put it on pay-per-view. I'm hereby leading the official charge to run down to London and firebomb Sky headquarters. That <laughs> fight ends up on pay-per-view. You, there's, the, the boxing in fucking Britain is finished, from my opinion. Ben Wise with Industries. They cannot put it... Sorry, that's the goal label <laughs> speaking there. I posted the goal label bottle on Twitter tonight so people will know what my problem is tonight. That fucking fight is absolutely abomination on boxing. If Interpol <laughs> wasn't following us already. <laughs> fucking had to play that one, didn't you? They're going to get me now. How long ago was that fight? That was a good... Uh, was 14, 10 years ago, was it? It's got to be 10 years ago, hasn't it? At least. Uh, the original was... Was the ele- 2011, the original? It was when Box Nation started, wasn't it? Ah, with B.I. First one was, it was the first one. Was uh, Robbie the first Davis was, station, wasn't he? Robbie Davis was the referee in the first fight, wasn't he? Robbie Davis, was it, yeah. uh, uh, Richie Davis, sorry. Oh, Richie he, Davis, that's uh, right. Because yeah. remember, they, they, were, they were starting to get kind of wide with each other, with maybe some of the punches or maybe some of the shoving they're holding and that. He's got holding them and just fucking sorted it out. 14, it was 14, yeah. Wow. 2014, that one. Well, time flies, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> Remember cleverly wanted to fight Kovalev and somebody said, ah, that's a good idea, mate. And Frank's like, ah, that's no, mate. He never wanted to do that. <laughs> Clever is a god-bothering sex addict now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll put Terry O'Connor in the ring, mate, just, just, to, just to kind of protect you a bit, mate. We'll, we'll just, we'll not make it, we'll not make it obvious, like, you know, don't worry about it. Oh, dear. Remember, go, remember he clinched his way to his first fucking vacant world title and then tried to tell the fucking post-fight interviewer that it was the Bernard Hopkins style that he was implementing in <laughs> cleverly. <laughs> Should have known then. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to that one. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Dev Sarney. Alexander Usyk would not win a British heavyweight title. Uh, Tony Bellier jumped in and says, of course he wouldn't. He's Ukrainian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James Tun's nominated for that one. We mentioned this earlier, Andy. Oh, is John it? Fury. <laughs> Table flipping. Yeah, Del Boy Dejora, eh? Oh, my word. What a man. I'm a fighting man. I thought Table was over. That was brutal, that was. That spectacle, wasn't it? That definitely, was that in cat? no that way, be... was all set up. No, no, man. We hadn't, we hadn't really thought that John Fury was on hinges like that, mate. He would never do anything like that. That was real raw emotion. I love the way he gets all right up, right? And then when he gets into character, he's, like, fully in it and all. And he just starts, like... 
trusting and telling everybody that the fucking his children came out of his balls. He's always at that one. <laughs> out of my balls, he's too. Everyone in this venue, Joe, Jesus, relax, fucking hell. Um, <laughs> but he's always at the balls, and he came out my balls. So, um, no low blows for Big John. Absolutely not. Well, it was the KSI Tommy Fury. Some people suggested he was trying to take the heat off Tommy Fury. Uh, but I think he was more trying to put the heat on himself, Andy, because he's a, a rampant egomaniac and a narcissist. Aye. <laughs> I, I, I almost seen the, the clip on Twitter, man. But yeah, as I say, he's, he's been kind of like watching Del Boy. Who, by the way, did anybody hear Del Boy this weekend? He's everywhere as well, by the way. Oh, Del Boy uh, fucking pops up everywhere. What was he doing over in Poland? At that fight last night, Del Boy. Probably calling out the winner, wasn't it? Like no, rough, a, 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 apparently after his last fight, he just wandered off and then he ended up in Poland, just, just appeared there. <laughs> Looking for Danny Williams. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, dear. Looking for Carol the Fridge Williams or something. Like What's his name? What's his name? The big Carl Fridge, Fridge Baker. Baker. Yeah, that was him who he kissed on Valentine's Day, wasn't it? I remember that. I was, <laughs> big Fridge man was like 300 like pounds. Oh, gosh. Shout out to Zell. Um, who have we got here? Oh, Lou DiBella is angry about drugs, cheats, excuses. He says, love how people make shit up in an attempt to exculpate a PED user. F-O-H, hashtag boxing. And Boxing Talk says, crazy that, Lou. Lou DiBella, applying medication to her dog caused Gabriel to test positive to, for Clostable. <laughs> <laughs> the internet never forgets. But Lou was like, Lou was very fucking, like he, 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 Stood over that one, like didn't he? Because people were like, "Come on, Lou," and all. He was like, "Oh yeah." So I suppose all you know that, you know, it's it's so easy to get disposable gloves where she's from. <laughs> I was like, "Why did you just put fucking gloves on?" And she was doing where's that with the dog. Where's she from, like? I don't know. School hard knocks, aren't they? I'd forgive her anyway, though. I'd, I'd believe it. I'd say she's fucking genuine excuse. Yep. Wonder why that like is. Keith Lord. If that was Jane Couch, would you be coming that conclusion? <laughs> Throw the fucking book at her. <laughs> <laughs> Bad for life, mate. I've said it over and over. <laughs> Robert said it repeatedly. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Steve Bunce is out in Poland. He says, social observations from Rocklov. In local restaurants, the diners collect their plates together and take them in to an area to stack. Poland 1-0. Nice. But as I said, Andy, they, did, they have to do that in the Asda here. And that's not too, that's not even too new, is it? <laughs> Your own after you've eaten your dinner. The, the, the local Klondike, man, you take it in your fucking tree into the, the, the trolley thing and slide it in. Fucking yeah. hell, it's nothing new, mate. Oh, not for Bunce, eh? Fuck's sake. How local hospital was going up, man? <laughs> Fuck <laughs> hell. There he is with the radish face. He says, Usyk is not a busy fighter. He's not busy like Holyfield or Anthony Joshua. You can outwork him. <laughs> He Fuck just said, he just says anything at this day. It's only Bunce, like, just fucking Oh, hey, man, he he went full corporate last night, man, when he was talking about, yeah, there'll be, there will be a rematch. Uncle Frank will make it happen. He'll make it I was like, oh, my God. Here we go. He's going to start complaining for a rematch. Holy <laughs> shit. Mark Stanton says on the plates, Bunty has some brothers do it for him. Oh, class. Well done, Mark Stanton. Well <laughs> yeah, Bunty. Uh, there's one for you, Matty. Uh, Canelo has turned up advertising beer, but Christine Nangle is not sure. Is this a celebrity or just a guy? She's taking photos in the local supermarket. Matthew, that turned the, up. What's with the shorts, man? Who <laughs> is the guy? Yeah. 
And that there is a 99.9% chance that that bitch is white and lives in the suburbs. <laughs> well, looks like kind of so. Ben Affleck, don't it? Ah, that's Canelo before the juice, the pre juice days. days. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya was out in force uh, advertising exposed sports. Let's play. My, my girlfriend started the first ever topless sports league featuring all her hot girlfriends. It's fucking wild. If you like boobs and sports, check it out. Oh, Oscar's got it all deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar's got it a funny ending. Uh, he deleted it, though. Oscar, man. <laughs> Oscar, why is he... He's invested in this, hasn't he? Like He's put a few pounds into this himself, like, hasn't he? Oh, aye, man. For fuck's sake, Oscar, man. He's getting his money's worth, man. Don't you worry about that. And yeah, he's answers... definitely gotten a few pounds in, Rob. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and the answer to that is you like both but not necessarily always at the fucking same time you know what I mean everything has its place okay, I hell. love how in, in Belly of the Week though Rob we get like people who've liked things ac- accidentally or, or got caught out but Oscar no, there's, no, there's no there's no grey area no. he's just fucking hey you guys like boobs and sports rough sports <laughs> rough, rough and tough, tough. sports <laughs> <laughs> no grey area in the likes for old Oscar there oh dear so oh, we should have fucking got rid of Oscar the last time after the Ryan Garcia press conference when he said with a straight face on that interview that, you know, I had to leave the press conference because a guy came up to me and he said, you're going to die tonight. That fucking didn't happen. Like, no fucking show us. There's fucking cameras everywhere. So show us this person. <laughs> that did not happen. Wasn't Anthony uh, Collar, was it? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> been man, going to the streets. <laughs> Mystic Meg. Anyway, shout out to Oscar. Uh, Huey Fury, click, 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 click. Just a genuine scheme for the people. Something very simple to earn you money. Please let me know if you wish to become oh, a promoter for Welcome NFTs. Estates to earn yourself some money. Wasn't well, that Porky's Welcome Estates? He was all up with them, wasn't he? The villas. Oh, good. <laughs> Better watch for <laughs> click, click, click. Yeah. Well, something sounds, if it's if something starts off like that, I'm normally in. <laughs> yeah, what happened to the corner Ben NFTs, by the way? Steve, did you invest ben in FD? them? No, ben, ben FD, FD did you oh, invest no, in them? No. Even Rage's program won't be stupid enough to invest in them. He can't even get paid, man. He's chasing his check. <laughs> well, he signed with about 17 different promoters. That's his yeah, problem. Aye. That's his fucking bastard. issue. Anyway, a few young Garners happening. People aren't too happy with the poster. Fury <laughs> <laughs> looks like a fucking knockoff a street fighter, man, isn't it? <laughs> It's like a 1996 SNES game. It's like they drew the fucking spitting image puppet of Tyson Fury and then fucking stick it on there. And then Ningano looks like that one of the fighters you get out of the George Foreman comeback hang on to like Super NES. Ngano looks like someone that nobody would fucking recognise walking down the streets. What is the fucking point of all this? I tell you what, Fury's played us all like a fucking. He's done us up like a caper. All of us, all these social media posts. Hey, you rabbit. Hey, AJ, you shit house. Now we know why he was doing it for that fucking Netflix show. It's all over the fucking show. That's what he was doing the whole time, filming that show, fucking doing those <laughs> deadlines, setting this fella a deadline because he needs a fucking storyline for the show. Unbelievable. Well. Uh, the Fury Usyk fight might be not be happening anytime soon, Andy. But good news, I am can exclusively reveal on the pod tonight: Wilder Joshua to be finalised in two oh, or three weeks. I've, <laughs> says, I've, heard uh, that, I've heard that before. <laughs> like literally, like I heard it for about a year solid, man. Are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> He's relentless, isn't he? Oh, mate. Eddie's just need to shut the fuck up. He's just need to let the fighters announce it. That's what he's need to do, and then he can get involved. Fucking hell! You, you don't believe a word Eddie says until the until the fighters are in the ring. Like, 
two, three weeks. Remember, what was it? It was during COVID, wasn't it? Yeah, we, we kept hearing that. Or was it last year? Even uh, before two, that, was 2017, 18. Was it? Aye. Kept playing two, that, three weeks away, Cooks. Two mm-hmm. fucking months and months went by. And almost a year went by before fucking Fury decided to fight Wilder. There you are, Eddie. Uh, we talked about Hannah Gabriels earlier. Alicia Bongard. Now, I'm not overthinking this situation. I know me and stand 10 toes down. At least you only got 10 toes. Uh, the stuff hasn't kicked in just yet. Ten know that. beautiful toes. Um, <laughs> hashtag I'm still well. Rob, you're not the only celebrity endorser. Miss Undisputed Speaks. I truly believe her and will wait for the facts. I remember when Gabriels tested positive, and the first person I talked to was Baumgardner. And she said, i got to make sure I get me and my opponent signed up for testing. That's a clean athlete talking. Well then, what's the fucking big deal? The world said it, so let's fucking just clear her, get her back to fighting. Good as gold. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. She said that. She said, I got to get signed up and have a test in to clear the shields. That's what she, she said. She definitely said that. Good enough for me. Good enough for me. That's all I can say. Uh, Nikita Zhu, we were talking about him earlier, Andy. He says, I'm in this because I want to hurt people. It's like a sexual pleasure for me. <laughs> Ooh. They're rogue, them shoe boys, aren't they? Yeah, when the Costa mate. distances himself from them. <laughs> yeah, when the Costa fucked off to back to Russia, man, eh? he thinks it's better to be back in Russia than back in Australia where he too. My word. And the, minute, what, the, the women just, are bonkers too, aren't they? Especially Tim's but Oh, aye. Oh, aye. Getting, oh, chased he's, he's around, getting chased around the ring by a guy who's trying to punch you in the face and has an erection. What an <laughs> awful fucking time. There he goes, my he's, he's You go to low blow him and you need the three minutes to recover. <laughs> oh, dear. Good old Nikita. Sam Jones had his say last night. He says, thinking about it properly, I think shouts of Dubois should be champion of the world. A bit over the top. I do think Usyk would have got up if the ref started counting, but guess we'll never know. I think Usyk just completely manipulated the ref and old man Daniel with tricks. Uh, who's he referring to, by the way, about these uh, silly shouts of Dubois should be champion of the world? Well, him, an hour earlier. No low blow, Dubois should be champion of the world. Tick. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, Usyk came out and walked it back. Well, yes. <laughs> Oh, fair play to him, I suppose. Fair play to him. And Andy, you sent this one to me as well. It's all going down Ooh. in San Juan. What's that? What's, 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 like, sorry, Peter, Peter, Peter glasses on, Steve. You'll see where that is. <laughs> I think I better take them off. <laughs> Bit of poison ivy. Touch of the poison ivy there. Looking well. Aye. Looking well indeed. Uh, those are all the ones. Oh, hang on. I've got one more actually from Frank. Somebody sent this one in to me earlier. Frank Warren getting all heated and radishy before the fight. Let's see what he had to say. Daniel Dubois is going to absolutely screw this up for all of them. He's going to knock him the fuck out, I'm telling you. Go on a fucking Frank, boy. War, war Frank, by the way. <laughs> Rob, you're liking this new version of Frank? Yeah, I kind of wanted Dubois to fucking knock Usyk out just so Frank could go, I fucking told you he's going to knock him the fuck out, didn't I? Fucking Uber. He's what I wanted to say that, like, so. Oh, man. Did you hear him fucking destroying the, what do you call him, having the two, two sugar milk, what's his name? Frank Smith. Oh, Frank Smith. Smith. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, yeah. boy, man. He, he hates him, doesn't he? <laughs> fucking hates him. call him a fucking absolute twat or something. Oh, fucking... <laughs> uh, fuck's sake. Well, Frank Smith was saying that Eddie, or that Frank Warren is a, uh, York Hall promoter and a small hall promoter and you know obviously Frank Smith can say that because he's a promoter of venues where they block out three quarters of the fucking <laughs> seats on TV because they've done fuck all so he can talk at the 
There you are. That's all the ones I've got, Andy. Any from you to throw in that you haven't thrown in already? Just that cause of Bootski, mate, for not giving like a what I out of a fuck forget that for getting uh, DQ'd. Uh, that Hamed opponent, mate, is just like honestly. I think the guy just came dragged right out the alley after smoking crystal, man. So he says, right, here a pair of gloves, mate, go fight somebody. That guy was just honestly, he was, he was shocking, absolutely shocking. And one for uh, Stephen Fulton, he says he's anxious for revenge against Inouye. He says he can't wait to redeem himself against him. I said, well, he's not done nothing in the fight. He's going to suffer from anxiety for a long time. And he, <laughs> he had, <laughs> he's never he had, getting that rematch. He and he's trying to talk all types of crazy shit. And then he got sparked the fuck out for his trouble. He wants a rematch. Fuck off. Oh, well, good luck to him with that one then, I suppose. Thank you, Andy. Uh, Matty, anything from you, please? Yeah, I was going to say Kotsubutsky too, because while we're sitting here arguing about, is that a low blow? Uh, is that not a low blow? <laughs> Kotsubutsky <laughs> stand for all people as a martyr. And he said, showed you how he's done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A low blow. <laughs> no fucks Ref, that was a low blow. <laughs> Oh, that's how it's done and then obviously <laughs> the referee in the anderson Rodenko fight made it absolutely fucking clear where the line was because he seen too much shit go down that night and he wasn't going to have his ass he was, he was, he was bashing his... both of those belt lines wasn't he here <laughs> he was... and here <laughs> he was getting his fucking paycheck <laughs> he's not getting any issues either man he's doing his fucking money and he's out the door brilliant stuff uh, rob anything from you please yeah, I don't know if we could, this one might have been covered because I think it was one week I missed there. But did you anyone see the fucking uh, AB um, incident from a few weeks back ago on Instagram where somebody messaged him um, and asked him for two thousand dollars? You see that? No, no, I don't think uh, so. Tuition one. Yeah, so it was a girl. She was like, uh, "AB, can I get two thousand dollars for tuition?" And AB was like, "Well, did I sleep with you? I don't even know you. Like, what are you looking for two thousand dollars off me for?" <laughs> And she was like, well, I just thought if you don't ask, you don't get. And all. he was like, send me your cash app. I'm about to bless you. And she was like, oh, my God. And she sent her cash app. And then he sent her back a prayer. Hoping that she would get $2,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was a good move, actually. So it was a brutal night day from AB. I got no money for the pitch. <laughs> and this guy, I fucking, I actually like him. I don't know what he does if he's an MMA guy. Is it Luke Thomas is his name? The American guy? But uh, he, does oh, he, these... does show, he does showtime. Uh, sh- does a bit uh, of showtime, uh, yeah. Campbell. Yes, yes. I really like him doing comms and as a pundit, but I have to say, get in the fucking bin with that analysis fucking YouTube channel he has. Does he see that? No. Oh. He was doing, he did the breakdown of Crawford's bench pretty much like a couple of hours <laughs> after it happened. And like, all, although obviously like all these things are drilled and fighters spend hours and hours and hours drilling stuff and working on stuff and working on shots, it doesn't happen the way they're saying it. Like, the great fighters are doing that shit on the fly. So, what I, I don't know if I'm doing a great job explaining it, but basically, like, they do these kind of boxer size bench style analysis videos where everything is all, like, so fucking, like, there's some great pr- written prose. And he's like, if you just stop it right there, you'll see Terrence Crawford pulls his hands back just six inches. This gives him room to maneuver into a space where he can deliver a punch. I'm like, fuck off. We could you're just saying what's happening slow. Like we can see the fucking thing. Like, for fuck's sake, great fighters are doing that on the fly. It's not fucking, you know what I mean? So I hate these guys like with their new fucking analysis videos and they want to fucking putting in position and hitting the exits and all this fucking nonsense talk. But uh, yeah, I'm not doing a really good job of explaining that, but that's my one. Shout out to Luke Thomas's uh, YouTube channel. I think Rob's saying there, go and like and subscribe. Oh, that's, that's the guy with Showtime, isn't it? Doesn't yeah, he, him know. and Brian yeah, Campbell yeah. did that's a prelims on Showtime. Yeah, he's a he, Rob's right. He's a combat MMA guy, I think, by trade. 
I don't know really much about the guy. I've only just seen him in the last few months not appearing on some of the undercard things with the show on Showtime mm. YouTube. Yeah, same here. Mr. Derma is not a fan in the chat. I he said he's a terrible here. person, generally. There you are. Uh, okay. Shout yeah. out about the details. I don't That's know anything about the guy who's been No, me neither. Me neither, I He's no Ralph. Ralph? No, is it Ralph? Do you remember from the analysis yeah. channel? <laughs> Ralph, yeah. Analysis like, Ralph. It's that kind of. It's that kind of stuff. Like, it's fucking painful. Just watch the fucking fight. Jesus Christ Almighty. There you are. Shout out to Rob. Uh, right, let's have a look through them before we pick our Bellew of the week for this week. We had uh, Dev Sarney and Tony Bellew going in. We had John Fury flipping tables. We had Lou DiBella getting caught contradicting himself. We had Steve Bunce with the uh, eating tips. We had Buncey talking bollocks. We had Canelo advertising beer. We had Oscar De La Hoya advertising the, the babes. We had Huey Fury <laughs> advertising welcome estates. We had the Fury and Garnu poster. We had Eddie talking out of his arse again. We had Chris of the Groat Shields talking out hers. Nikita Sue um, deriving some sexual pleasure from beating people up. We had Sam Jones tweeting out and catching himself out, but he walked it back, as Andy said. And we had Swan- San Juan as well. Uh, enjoying themselves over there. We had Frank and uh, the firebombing of the Sky offices. So we had quite an interesting weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never forget. We'll never forget. <laughs> I know who I'm going for. Andy, who are you going for this weekend? Uh, I'm going to go for Uncle Frank, mate. Um, he, was in, he was in good form this week, to be fair. He was icing bodies and that. He was... Still got the bit, of, you know, still got a bit of juice about him tonight. He was going to be there last night, demanding a rematch, demanding a no contest, not really putting in the work for his fighters. So I'll go for Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank, then that's the best thing that could have happened to him there, raising the blood pressure. Well, hey, yeah. that's man. Did you see his eye? His eye during the weekend, that man. He was raging that much at, at fucking T Boy Smith, and that man. He bust a blood vessel in his eye. <laughs> Like the Tyson incident so, all over again. So, someone I want to tell Frank, when it comes to Eddie Hearn, just relax. You're up on the cards, man. You're winning. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're ahead on points. Don't fucking blow it. He's going all Nate Campbell. <laughs> just, just move the head, Frank. Don't roll the shoulders. Just head, move the head. That's all you've got to do. You're well like Billy Khan versus man. Joe Lewis. You're fucking 13 rounds up. Just chill out. You're grand. <laughs> Too early to go, mate. You're fucking fine. <laughs> Championship mentality. Oh, dear. Uh, who are you going for, Matty? I- I'm going for Oscar, man. I thought. Oh, oh, come on, guys! I I gotta go for the the uh, Kazakh that wrecks ball sex, Jean Kasabutsky. Come on, the Kazakh that destroys <laughs> balls. Sex. I like it. <laughs> the I like it. Destroys ball sex. Didn't uh, sorry, a late, late one for K two. Now that's going to matter. But Yigit had some bad things to yeah. say about K two. Yeah, we spoke about that. We played the video. Yeah, we played the video and all. Okay, oh, then. So, Rob, the decision is down to you, or it could be a four way tie. Andy's gone for Frank, Kosabutsky for Matty. I've gone for Oscar, Andy's Bird. What about you? Yeah, I kind of just, I'm just loving this new Frank Warren. Like, so I, I think we, we need to see more of it. Like, they fucking, the stuff. <laughs> I love the way Umar as well constantly fucking wants to, we'll see more of it when the Nganu thing is coming up because he's, Tyson is training Nganu, isn't he? But, you know, he. <laughs> Umar still throws him a grenade now and then and asks him if what he thinks about Mike Tyson. He's a fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking angry. <laughs> Tony Bellew. <laughs> you should ask him a question about Bellew, man. That'll get him gone. I'll see how much juice he's got left. <laughs> he's raging, he's frank. But he's won an award. It's the Bellew of the Week for episode 537. Woo! Congratulations, Frank. Congratulations indeed. Right, let's get rid of Frank off the screen there. 
and thank our super chatters instead. They're making it happen, keeping the lights on. Joe Burns, member of the Boxing Nutters Messenger Group, has thrown in a fiver. And Captain Casual, that's Damo, a Photoshopper extraordinaire, has thrown in a tenner there. Shout out to him. And also a shout out to Gary Gray, who upgraded his Patreon uh, subscription over at patreon.com forward slash Boxing Asylum this weekend. So shout out to him as well. Uh, thanks to everybody in the chat. Don't forget to like and subscribe and hit all those buttons before you leave. Uh, we thank you for that. Matty will be in the hot seat next week. Thanks to Andy for coming on, to Rapping Rob Kelly, to Take Ames as well. I've been Steve Wellings. We'll catch you all again for episode 538. Same time, same place next weekend. Thank you all to everybody for listening and goodbye. We'll never forget. We want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking soul that can fight me. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum. You're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has, has failed has failed a test. Seven year eight. Seven year eight. I will fucking smash. Fuck you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing science, as simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.